The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, uh, well, I think he just wants some gummy bears. Welcome, Jacob. Dude, that'd be awesome if they were if they weren't falling and trying to kill me. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute because <laughs> there is actually something very interesting about how they handle the gummy bears here in continuation yes. with oh. the second movie. Okay, so we'll get there when we get there. All right. All right. Why well, think? Why well, think? Sorry, I got audio playing. Yes, audio is playing. <laughs> Why, thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who was just wanting to order some pasta. That's all he wanted. Welcome, Drew. I do like spaghetti. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> how are you doing today, Jacob? Man, I'm doing pretty good. It's been, uh, feels like it should be Wednesday, but it's a third, It's Tuesday, so we're recording. Yeah. I don't know why you think it's Wednesday. It's not been that long a week already. It's felt like it. To me, it has. Well, for you, maybe. But for me, it's been all right. All right. But anyway. Yeah. How have you been? I've been okay. It's uh, a busy weekend doing a bunch of different things, including yeah. cleaning up the apartment. Not that you can tell that on the stream right now. But. Oh, I did that during the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but also a couple other things. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, what have you been watching? Oh. I know I'm jumping into that before the music finishes the outro. No, but we're just kind of cooking along right here. All right, so what I've been watching, uh, I continue watching Kim Boswell on uh, Disney+. Plus. Uh, we've watched uh, Spy versus Spy X Family. Spy Family, yes. Yeah, Spy Family, Spy X Family, Spy X Family, whatever it's called. Uh, Spy Family. Spy Family. The X is silent. Oh, okay. It, it is there for stylistic reasons alone. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, we watched a friend of ours, Chase, for a Bible mm -hmm. study. Um what else did we watch? I can't remember. Uh, oh, good night. You would ask me that. Yeah. Uh, your boy, Kome. We watched one episode of that. Oh, yeah. Where the guy from the ancient Chinese history oh, got yeah. transported into the future and is now going to be the manager for a pop star idol yeah. on her rise to fame. Oh, my gosh. That we, was... we did watch that. Yes. And we watched an episode of Overlord. Oh, yeah, that's right. Actually, I think we watched two episodes of Overlord. We did watch two episodes of Overlord. But anyway. Yeah. I'd um, seen Overlord before. It's yeah, not my I'd, favorite show, but... I'd, I'd never seen it. Be like, it's it's an interesting premise, and you definitely tell where, you know, things go awry later on. I think uh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime is a better show where your guy gets reincarnated as a... A monster mm -hmm. in an RPG and has to rebuild a kingdom. I think that does it better. Uh, Personally, a monster kingdom, but yeah, that's just me. okay. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so I started watching uh, continue my run on Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. uh, I stumbled across a show that I'd seen a preview to, but I was like, okay, this little oh, correction. I watched the first episode before, and it's like, why not just try it again? Uh, Star versus. The forces of evil. Oh, you started Star versus the forces of evil. Yes, the American magical girl show. Yeah, pretty much. 
What do you think so far? It's unique. It's different. It is unique. It's very unique. Well, I mean, every, in, every, in everything but art style, but that's beside that the point. That is true. It's, it's very much the art style of the, the time period in which it was made. I believe the word you're looking for is Cal Arts. Okay, Cal Arts. <laughs> they all have the same mouth and because they all came from that same place for some reason. I don't mm. know why. That was the artistic style of Cal Arts at the time. Apparently. Yeah. Because uh, everything was in the Universe, universe and Gravity Falls and two or three other shows. Like if I actually did my more research, I'd actually remember what they Thundercats are. Thundercats Roar. Yeah. Yeah. Thundercats Roar has the same art style. Yeah. But anyway, it's not yeah. important. Yeah, it's not important. I, I didn't realize you were going to bring up the show that must not be named. Right. But it's it's one of those things you just need to talk about sometimes. <laughs> Air it out. You know, air the grievances out. Either thank or. you, Teen Titans. Go, <laughs> and I think we're gonna watch one of those films at one point, aren't we? We're gonna, we we are going to. I I don't know if we're gonna have to do any setup to get there, but yeah, I do know that Teen Titans go to the movies looks like it's hilarious. Yes, I agree. But we also need to do Teen Titans ver- versus, versus Teen, Teen Titans, Titans go. go. Yes, because that looks good. Yeah. All right. So I watched two episodes of that. It looks interesting. Uh, I think they brought in the 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 unicorn friend or the 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 disembodied unicorn her. head. <laughs> I remember her. Uh, that was That's not the most annoying character I've seen in one of these shows, but it's I up got there. <laughs> so after watching our the film we reviewed, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna watch something else. I'm gonna watch something else. You know, to get my mind relaxed or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, because I have opinions about this film. Uh, so I, I okay. think we finally found it, folks. <laughs> I, I predicted way back on what was it, episode six, when we reviewed Anastasia. Oh yeah, that there would eventually come a time when our positions in that movie would be switched, where I would love the movie and you'd hate it. I suspect <laughs> we've reached that movie finally. Maybe two hundred and thirty, two hundred forty <laughs> episodes later. Right. Yeah, we, just for, for future reference, the uh, reactions we did to the bad guys mm-hmm. was episode 250. Rock We're on. We're on 251 right now, Rock technically. On. Rock on. <laughs> All right, so going back to my childhood, uh, I was a child of the 80s. I was a child. I was a, no. I was a little guy of the 80s. No, really? Nah. Wouldn't have guessed. Nah. You see the 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 gray and the, must, the beard? I wasn't going to say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> but either or. Either people or. in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Not sure. Either or. Uh, I grew up watching the t- the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and uh, I remember a certain rabbit popping up every once in a while. Usagi Yojimbo. Usagi Yojimbo. Yes. Technically an independent comic mm-hmm. that got mixed in with the rest of the TMNT universe. Yeah. So apparently it's Savage Dragon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Of all things. But. Uh, so I re- I remember I went to a like a like a pawn shop or not a pawn shop but like a like a uh, antique shop antique mm-hmm. shop and I was looking around looking around and uh, I just happened to stumble across like the, like the first issue which you know Usagi pops in on uh, it's it's not his his comic but it's like someone else's comic where he pops into it yeah and I was like huh that's interesting it's worth like ten bucks mm-hmm. I paid like a buck five <laughs> so either or. Uh, so I realized that Netflix was doing this Samurai Rabbit, the Usagi Chronicles. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Be like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw it on there, see what it's like. 
I got to, I think it's like episode three or four, one of those. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Uh, He's one of those characters that just like, oh, it's it's the young man who goes out, uh, believes his destiny is great and believes that, oh, because my ancestor was this great person that I don't, I don't need. I basically I can walk around as a Ronin or I, I don't have a sensei. I don't have a master right. and uh, do all these great things. And uh, yeah, hijinks ensues and uh, magical shenanigans ensue. Mm hmm. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. I might continue it, but it's just, it's just, it's a little, Yosagi's a little annoying. Let's say that, but that's your typical teenage character. Right. Right. So I watched, uh, then I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch something else. And, uh, I saw this one cause there again, I'm a true crime nut. I love true crime. Absolutely love it. And, uh, I saw one. As long as you don't make more of it. Yeah, that is true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, reep, you, reep, you, reep, reep. you do not need to be the subject of one of these stories. <laughs> no, I do not. Uh, no, but uh, I, I saw something on Netflix as I was on Netflix at the time. And I saw something that for the uh, true crime nut mm -hmm. that loves understanding these things. Yes. For those who don't know who this guy was, don't watch it. Just saying. What I'm referring to is the confessions of confessions of a murderer, the John Wayne case, the John Wayne Gacy story. Okay. Yeah. If you don't know who John Wayne Gacy is, don't look him up. <laughs> Let's just say that this guy was a sick, sick individual. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to point out that one of your hosts for this show is really interested in, uh, in, a, in a biography of a man that he just described as a very sick, sick individual. Yeah. It was fascinating. Do not get me wrong. I worry for you, my friend. <laughs> it's like no the the the, the storytelling in which they they be like this thing is graphic. This thing is graphic. It doesn't hold punches back. And uh, yeah, definitely do not watch this with your kids. Please do not, because that'll give you nightmares. And there's a lot of stuff you have to yeah. explain, and it's you don't want to explain it. Uh, I I I watched it, and I was like, oh, okay. It's like, wow, I didn't know a whole lot. Be like, the guy killed over like 40 people. <laughs> it stuffed them underneath his house. <laughs> uh, quick question for you. How yeah. much of this needs to be on this podcast? Oh, not much. <laughs> not much. Not much. <laughs> I'm going, there might be kids listening and you're talking about stuffing a man underneath his house. <laughs> right. That's as far as I'm going to go. As far as I'm going to go. Be like, I, I enjoyed, it was like four episodes, three or four episodes. Right. And, uh, for what it was, I enjoyed it. I was disgusted by it, but at the same time, it's like learning. It's like, cause there again, it's always be like wanting to learn more about things. Right. And, um, there again, we have an entire culture now that has this true crime obsession. Mm -hmm. Would I recommend it to anybody who's just a casual watcher? No, <laughs> this good. Stuff, I won't be watching it. Okay, then. Good. There. My job is complete on that. So either or yeah, make, um, make, make your co-host feel creeped out. Moving on. <laughs> Yes, clowns, anybody? Uh, so, to wash my palate of that... As he's not here. Uh, yeah, wrong clown. <laughs> yeah, definitely wrong clown. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you cleansed your palate. I cleansed my palate, so I'm, I'm finishing my notes. I'm watching my... I'm working through my notes. Uh -huh. And um, I was like, oh, wait a minute. 
mean, like I still have I've watched this show probably multiple times. It's on Netflix now. It got a live action adaptation from Netflix. And apparently the the live action is not that good. If it's the show I'm thinking you're thinking of, mm. it is terrible. <laughs> what I'm referring to is Cowboy Bebop. The That's what I thought you were thinking of. Yes. Um, and my understanding is the show is terrible. Mm-hmm. It does not get what the original anime was going for. Apparently, I, I watched. That's like, my understanding. I haven't watched it. I watched like like one or two episodes, and I was like, "What in the world is this?" <laughs> it, it was it was different. It was weird. Um, so instead of that, I watched the original anime from nineteen ninety seven. I think ninety. Yeah, ninety seven. Yeah, ninety seven. Sunrise. Yeah, really good. Be like, yeah, if you've never watched Cowboy Bob, Cowboy Bob, what are you doing? Be like, if you're an animation fan, go watch it. Now, granted, do you want to watch it with kids? No. Definitely little ones. No. But if you're watching it, definitely keep those eyes open. <laughs> There's a joke only a few people who watch that show. Yes, yet. exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I started watching Cowboy Bob while I was doing my notes because I've seen it so many times. Um, toys in the attic the episode just absolutely incredible um oh, what was that the uh, it's it's it's, it's the two-part episode it's the two-part episode where uh spike spike goes fight go hunting for julia on the on the planet and you get the the uh what was it mr the jazz museum jazz musician who's somehow connected with uh our <laughs> as drew just hymns the theme <laughs> the tank <laughs> but yeah it's an amazing story it's an amazing ser- series uh definitely recommended to anybody who is an animation fan obviously most like casual anime fans like i am really enjoy it or takus just love it to death uh i can't get enough of it um uh, i don't know how many you know deep dives i've seen onto couple of but yeah definitely recommend it go go watch it go on netflix uh would i recommend it maybe like an older child audience like an older like teenagers where they get it because it deals with more i saw in high school well yeah, that's you know that's what it teenagers. aired over yeah, here in, te- in America, but I was in high school at the time. Older teenagers, yeah, teenagers. That, that age, that yeah, age. that age. Either or, especially really if they like jazz. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh, definitely. You, you can't like stand jazz. jazz. I can't help you. Yeah. Other than that, that's all I've been watching. You've been busy on the watching front. Yes, I have. What I can tell. Yes, what have you been watching? Uh, what I've been watching. Uh, I have watched another episode of Moon Knight. It has got one more episode left coming out tomorrow morning. I'm looking forward to watching oh. that, especially since it's. And of course, next week I'll be able to tell about another movie I'll have watched this weekend. Ah, same here. But Hopefully. other than that, I watched another episode of Love After World Domination. Oh, okay. Still one of my favorite shows. Ah, uh, it, it's very fun. Uh, I've watched a lot of YouTube. Not that that helps you much, any. Right. Um, what else have I watched? Uh, there was something else, but it's left my mind mm. at the moment. 
Yeah, I can't think of what it was at the moment. I, I may okay. think of it later. All right. Uh, but I've been playing some fourteen. I've uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. I've Excellent. been playing some uh, restarted Super Mario Odyssey for the fun of it. Nice. Uh, and still playing some Tales of Arise. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it's oh, I know what else I've been watching. What's it's, that? It's staring here right in front of me. Ah, I finished season two of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Really? Yes. Honestly, I don't remember how it ended. It just ends. It just ends? Literally. The Okay, so back up. I talked about the wedding last week, right? Right. Well, that was not the only... That three-part story was not the only episodes they filmed while they were in Australia. Hmm. They also did one called The Return of the Green Ranger. Ah. In which the Wizard of Deception cloned Tommy... Oh, so that they yeah. can have an excuse to have the Green Ranger suit fight the White Ranger suit. I remember that. And uh, let the Dragon Zord come back one last time. Mm-hmm. Of course. But uh, that one dealt with some going back in time mm-hmm. to um, like a like what was it? Uh, I'm getting to that one. That's what I'm getting to. Mm. It was colonial times. Oh, that's right. In California. Oh, fun. As in, somehow, in the Power Rangers universe, one of the 13 colonies was in California. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if Historical? Dad. No. No, it wasn't. <laughs> like, yeah, Mexico, it was a Mexican yes. uh, the, the territory. The next uh, one they did where they actually went back in time, literally, like, the next episode, much more accurate, possibly, to what California would have been at that time, which was Wild War the wild west rangers in which we learn that the one of the most important rules of power ranger lore that's ever been uttered in all of power rangers history do you know what that is no too much pink energy is dangerous <laughs> okay it's a that's, that's a meme okay there's a point where she okay so she decides that the, you know since goldar and i can't remember who else came back well the, the cactus monster yeah for that episode um they come back and she but while she's stuck back there in the past because she got sent back to the past while the rest of the rangers were With stuck the in the present yeah and couldn't help her so she goes and talks to the zordon and alpha of that era and says hey i think i uh we've got some monsters coming zordon i know you don't know who the crap i am but i was it was able to get in here and i know things that's no one else from this time period would know, like the fact that Rita Repulsa has the green ranger coin right now. <laughs> okay. By the way, she's coming back. Be prepared. Uh, <laughs> but she, suge- she suggests that, you know, perhaps we might want to have the other four rangers that are available, uh, or rather for uh, the rest of the powers that are available at this time, you know, maybe give that to some people that happen to look like our <laughs> heroes. I'm not kidding. You get Rocco for Rocky. Rocco. These are all uh, ancestors of our yeah. team. The uh, Abraham is being played by Adam. Hmm. Lady Aisha. Okay. Interesting. And uh, William. Billy. Right. Also, you have the White Stranger. I remember this was so dumb. Now, what's good you're saying? Of course, it's Tommy. Of course. Of course. course. But here's the thing. He he is in, you know, a white cowboy suit, kind of like the Lone Ranger, except without a mask. 
Right. Because why would he have a mask? That's just. But the thing is, our, the, around the brim of his hat is a green uh, band. band. So it's like, yeah, we're taking care of both colors right now. We're just rolling with it. But oh at one point, gosh. she says, she asks Zordon, do I need to be using the pink power coin from this time period? She says, and, he, and Zordon says, no, too much pink energy is dangerous. It's a goofy line. Yeah, it is. The rest of the season, there was a two-part storybook rangers thing where they got sucked into a uh, a, um, a storybook. Uh, this was where they, you could tell they were starting to run out of Die Ranger footage for monsters because they finally got around to using the Die Ranger main villain hmm. as a monster. And there is one, but they only wanted to use the version a version of him that didn't have the mask on. I don't know the Die Ranger stuff to know what was going on there, but apparently there's not a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of footage of that. Hmm. So when they wanted to show that character, in this case being the Sorcerer Mondo. Hmm. Outside of Zord footage, you know, uh, the Zord fight footage, there was one point where it's like all they had was like a frame of footage, a frame, a frame that they cut out. You could tell you could tell they paused the VHS and carefully cut this guy out, stuck him behind a tree to kind of just give us because they said, oh, Mondo's might be near. We need to be very careful because he's in this part of the book. And they never run into him, but you see this picture, and it's very painfully obvious a paused piece of footage. <laughs> I'm looking at it going, oh my word, that that is bad. That is bad. That is very bad. Um so there was that, and there was like two other like little one shots that didn't mean anything. The last episode was a Billy episode where um a girl has fallen in love with Billy. Okay. And uh, she's made a statue of him in art class because, you know, they had this big art project where they're mm-hmm. all doing art projects. Right. It's Tommy's um, art project sculpture thing that gets turned into the monster, of course. But uh, Billy is, a, is, I don't remember exactly how it is, but either way, it, it just ends like strangely enough because, you know, at this point in time, Power Rangers literally was airing once a week. Yeah. So literally while season two just ends abruptly it's because the very next week there was another new episode of power rangers which we would decide to go ahead and mark as season three Hmm. the thing is the very next three-part episode that's supposedly starts off season three is a crossover episode with masked rider what's interesting about masked rider only the episodes in power rangers are legally still owned by Saban. They lost the rights to the rest of the series. Really? <laughs> yeah. So you get this crossover where they're going off and fighting all these common writer people. It's like, okay, this is fun. This is cool. I remember the show. I actually had some pleasant memories come back as I was hearing these old, the old masked writer, you know, theme, mm-hmm. the musical cues that they used in this. Cause this was meant to be like what they call a backdoor pilot. Yeah. To introduce people to it without actually putting out, putting it in their own thing and it only barely connects to the actual master writer show in general to my understanding mm. but yeah it was interesting mm. and then i got to what i really considered the main reason i was watching wanted to watch this 
Ninja Quest okay. one through four. Okay. Now, later on, we're going to be going over to the Monster Island Film Vault later in the year to mm-hmm. review Power Mighty Morphin Power, Power Rangers, Rangers the movie, movie, which tells the story of how the Rangers lost their uh, dinosaur, th- their Thunderzord powers, right, and got ninja powers, right. Ninja Quest tells the same story, but it's actually canon. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, is not canon in any way, shape, oh, or oh, form. Oh, yeah. I know that. Right. I had forgotten about Ninjor. Okay. Also known as Ninja Dudley Do-Right. Because he sounds like Dudley Do-Right the entire time. This is how he talks at all <laughs> times. It's like, oh, dude, you just need to shut up. <laughs> uh, okay uh but the but the, the the writing has picked up in season three. Oh, okay from what i've seen i've seen one or two other past that and i've been i'm enjoying it but yeah it's just it's different cool it is different other than that i watched all the way through wandavision again again oh okay that's a good series yes very I need good. to go get through loki before friday oh fun <laughs> As that's about as much ready as I'm going to be for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness oh, as I, I think wait. I'm going to get. But either way, I agree. There, there was one thing I totally forgot, and this is, I went blank on it because I wanted to talk about it. Right. So Saturday, I get a text from my my girlfriend Ashley, mm-hmm. saying, "Be like, oh, be like, ever since supposed to rain because it was supposed to rain on Saturday." And boy, was that a rainstorm! Yeah, <laughs> very late in the afternoon. Not yeah. mind you. So uh, the initial idea, we were supposed to go to a park and go walk around and have a picnic. So that Saturday, I'm working on the art, the art for um, uh, the Batman Superman Avengers mm-hmm. uh, episode we did. World's Finest. World's Finest. Thank you. Go check that episode out. So I'm working on it, and I get a text from Ashley. It's like, it's like hey, be like, what do you think of this idea? Why don't we have a picnic in your apartment and watch a movie? It's like, oh, okay. Um and now, granted, we'd had that conversation before about clean, you know, the inspection. Right, right. Because there was so, a semi maybe inspection today. Yes. So or I go sometime this week, but that was starting today. So I go from 10 o'clock to four when she gets to my apartment the entire time, mm-hmm. like cleaning my apartment. Like, no joke, not right. Just be like the entire clean apartment, spotless. <laughs> yeah, not like my little just straighten up that I've got in here. Right. Like it was me, like just I was I was exhausted by the time she got there. Mm-hmm. I was dead. But uh, we wound up watching because uh, she'd never seen it before, and uh, I was like, because we you know gone on a few dates you know prior to that, right? And she mentioned me like I never watched Lilo and Stitch. I was like, oh, we oh, need to remedy that. That's a good movie. Yeah. So we wound up watching on uh, Disney Plus, and I found the points where Disney edited the film, and it was a little charring. <laughs> Yeah, when oh you found the cut where they edited the film, the cuts they the did. original. Oh, you, you say you saw you you spot you could spot their cuts. Yeah, I could spot their cuts. Yeah, we know we yeah we we talked about that on our Lilo and Stitch episode. That is true, but also I don't did we mention the point where it was Lilo is trying to apologize to the the red haired girl, red haired blonde girl, whatever. We start with like, be like, I'm sorry, I bit you. I'm sorry, I punched yeah, you. I'm, I'm, I know that came, probably came up in the discussion. It has been a hot minute yeah. since we recorded that episode. Yeah, and there's, there's a part I of haven't it. listened to that episode since I edited it. So, right. 
So I, I noticed that there, there's a there's a slight audio edit, and it's just painfully obvious they edited it. And uh, there's a couple of those. There's a couple. <laughs> What I, from what I remember, there are a couple of those rough edits. There are, but the the scene that just got me. So I'm I'm sitting there watching, and uh, the scene where Lilo originally hops into the dryer to avoid Nina, Nina, yeah, they they transform into a cupboard, which which it's looks nothing like, like a, a cupboard. cupboard. <laughs> it's like oh, okay. well, I mean, in all fairness, right. They probably didn't, could not afford to reanimate the entire scene. So they had to work around where she had to enter into the dryer mm-hmm. in order to actually, they had to edit, draw around that. So they have the same problem later on in the quote unquote spaceship 747. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was just like, it's like, okay, let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of scene. But I did notice at the, the end credit scenes, where it's a uh, uh, stitch has got into the laundry where uh, Nana is Nanny Nani Nani. We know a Nani. I don't think her name is Nani. Yeah. I'm, uh, anyway. Anyways, be like uh, Stitch. He's playing in the laundry. He's got the uh, the bra on his ears. He's got the the towel around his neck. And he's uh-huh. jumping around, and uh, the the sisters trying to change the laundry. And uh, the dryer is a dryer. It's it's a cabinet. (laughs) It's the same one, but they didn't change it. That doesn't surprise me. At all. I was like, that was too funny. I was like, oh my gosh. Disney, you're lazy. (laughs) I just said they probably didn't have a budget for it. They probably didn't have a budget for it. And we we talked about this in that episode, I think. They probably didn't have a budget for it. And they probably had to do it at the last minute. Probably to get it done in time so they did it as fast as they can and when you are trying to make edits that fast outside of where you know they really did reanimate a lot of the whole thing later Mm -hmm. on there or they didn't really they drove over stuff yeah but later on during the climax of the film Mm -hmm. but i I can see that's like yeah you probably missed that part and and we only notice it because we're looking because we know to look for it right so yeah i just wanted to bring that up because i just I was like, I totally forgot about. I didn't realize that one, and that other ad. I'm like, wow, that's painfully obvious. <laughs> but either or, because I'll be mean, like, when she opens the, when the sister opens the drawer, mm-hmm. it looks so, it like it looks like a dryer, except they tried to mask it a little bit. That's the funniest thing in the ever. <laughs> and then the end, that's just the dryer again, the very end. But either or anyway, either anyway, or. Yeah. when we got an info and stuff. All right. So after I've rambled about Lilo and Stitch. Yes. <laughs> All right. So info and stuff. All right. So uh, this was an article that came out of um, anime magazine.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just basically how um, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 came, you know, came to existence. I didn't really go into the article, but I brought more information about how the movie is done in theaters. Uh, let's see. It's one of the, it's one of the biggest 2022 uh, box offices with 120, $161 million mm-hmm. United States, Canada. And it grow It's grossed up worldwide by May 1st, uh, $323.7 million. So, yeah, I, I think it is now technically considered the second highest grossing video game movie ever made. Mm. I don't remember what the first one was. Oh, okay. All right. So 
uh, for you? Probably Pokemon. Probably. One of the Pokemon movies. Probably. So for those those fans, uh, those fans of ours who are, you know, big Dis- uh, Pixar fans, uh, today, which is the 3rd of May. Day before Star Wars Day. Day before Star Wars Day. Uh, uh, Trinity Red has come to... 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray and DVD today. Uh, so there again, be like, I don't have the film yet. So if you picked it, it up, and it is on our review list, yes, it quickly. is on our review so, list. So well, that is coming we, up fairly rapidly. Yeah, we didn't get it in there in time for reactions because of scheduling conflicts, mm-hmm. but we did go ahead and put it on the review list fairly quickly. Exactly. So yeah, that is out today. So if you if you did want it picking up picking up picking it up uh please know what you th- thought about it in the comments wherever you comment so far as i understand it that is all the info and stuff i could find okay or at least i know they're they're doing a, so- a sonic sonic well, not sonic adventures sonic boom well no, See, there is a sonic prime tv sonic show prime. coming to netflix that's right thank you that they release some more footage of mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. so i know that's coming yeah. We'll have to see on that. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, that's all I got info and stuff. All right. Well, then let's go ahead and jump into the spoiler free section right. of our review for Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Mm. I first saw this film, I think back in 20. It was the same year that uh, the second, the sequel came out. Okay. Uh, I can tell you when I first saw the commercials for it, it mm-hmm. just. I just didn't care. <laughs> okay. They, there was, I don't know what it was, something about the way the movie was set up. Actually, I just realized I made a mistake earlier in the podcast. Right, well, I forgot to actually mention our trivia question. Oh, yeah. The question was, uh, so our question was, according to the opening credits, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was made by whom? PaulJPowers.com. <laughs> Suggested that the answer might be the spaghetti monster. Huh. He was wrong. Wrong! (laughs) Now, there was one other person who actually answered correctly. Okay. But before I read his answer, Jacob. Yeah. Who made this movie according to the opening credits? A lot of people. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what David Gardner answered. He got the answer. He got got the question, this one right. I will be asking another question at the end of the episode my apologies for forgetting that until now but it's all good i can tell you when i saw that credit the first time i watched this movie i thought really that's that's (laughs) taking this kind of uh i I don't know what else it was it's like really we're 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 saying that okay cool whipty you don't want to put your own director's credit on there fine whatever but the only reason i even watched this movie Originally was because I saw the, the the trailers for mm-hmm. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Okay. And there is a single joke in that trailer that actually made me laugh out loud enough to actually think about wanting to see the second movie. Really? And if I'm going to see the second movie, huh. I need to watch the first. And you want to know what that joke was? What would that be? So the thing about the second movie is that the food has mutated and is coming alive. Mm-hmm. And there's a part in that trailer where... Uh, Flint Lockwood says, uh, uh, or he, he points down at the boat cause they're 
coming in on the, to the mm-hmm. island in a boat. He says, there's a leak in the boat. And the camera shifts over and it's literally a walking, talking leak as in the vegetable. It screams. And I laughed my butt off. It's like, okay, I want to see this movie just to see how stupid this is going to get. Mm-hmm. But in order to see how stupid this movie is going to get, I need to see how stupid the first one is. Hmm. And that's the reason I originally watched this movie. And I actually do think that this movie has some issues. Yeah. I will grant you. It's not as funny as the second one, but this is definitely a Lord and Miller production. And I kind of like this along with the second one for the same reasons I like the first Lego movie. Hmm. But yeah, if you enjoy those kind of movies, I suggest watching this. If you got kids, uh, this is a pretty safe bet to, th- yeah, pl- agreed. to plug in. I think uh, most people at least get kind of a Looney Tunes kind of vibe off of it. Uh, it does have a good, decent story, and there's a lot of great visual gags throughout mm-hmm. the movie. But yeah, I-, I enjoyed it. So, Jacob, stab me through the heart, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my first viewing of this film... I didn't watch it in theaters because I thought it looked dumber than a brick. Like I did. <laughs> yep. So I wound up buying it as a part of, I think it was like Black Friday, like right. a Black Friday deal. And like normally I do, I get a large bundle of movies at, at that point because it's cheap and you get a stack of films. Why not? Right. So I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it at some point in the future. And so I put it in my stack of haven't seen films. So... 2021 rolls around and i get invited to a group which both of us were a part of uh 100 movie challenge 2020 that's when we talked about this before and you said you didn't like this yes yes so this was probably towards the latter of me completing the films Mm -hmm. so i pop it in i'm like this is the dumbest thing ever because they're going to be like, maybe I'm tired or something like that. But I just remember not liking this film at all. And I remember very clearly uh, discussing this at length, how much I didn't like this film. So I went well, and immediately put it on the list. Then I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a couple of years, you know, like I finally dig it out of, you know, get it off my shelf and go to watch for this review. And I was, I, I looked at it. I was like, wait, we're doing this film. Okay. So, okay. Watch the film, be open-minded with it and watch it. There are parts of the film I kind of enjoy. Then there's parts of it like, I just didn't like it. I didn't like this film at all. <laughs> there, there, there's parts of it. I enjoyed, but there's just overall, oh my gosh. No, <laughs> it's like this. Some of the I mean, like there again, it is a cartoon. It is a cartoon designed for children to watch and enjoy, not for adults to think about. <laughs> um, and I just, I, I will get into my my likes and dislikes later, but uh, I just, I have a strong disagreement with this film. There are parts of it I enjoy that are kind of nice. Mm-hmm. And other parts, I just absolutely just, just, yeah. And we can get in and discuss that. We can debate it. We can, Drew can, prop, can uh, try to sway me from my. Oh, I know I won't my, be able to sway you. I, I know how uh, deep our opinions ride in the show. <laughs> <laughs> but just like, yeah, it's like if 
it's a kids movie so yeah kids are gonna enjoy it kids are gonna enjoy it um yeah so i feel like yeah it's definitely family friendly but i just didn't like it didn't like it at all and it's gonna be interesting with the sequel oh because yeah because we're gonna do the sequel. because i actually think the sequel's better than this oh okay kind of like uh the adams family yes yeah and ironically, I think that's the same production company. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think they're both Sony Pictures it's Sony. Animation. It's Sony. Oh, my gosh. I can see it now. Ugh. Anyway. But anyway. Yeah. So that's your that's your opinion. That's my moment. opinion. I'm spoiler free. And I'm sticking to it. Okay. Well, uh, Dila, why don't you go ahead and give us a uh, intermission, and we will get to spoiling this thing on the other side. Don't forget that you can download. Download? Don't forget that you can't. Don't forget that you can listen to us record the podcast live every Tuesday over on our Facebook page, The Cellcast, our uh, Twitch channel, The Cellcast Gaming, and on YouTube at Cellcast. Also, don't forget to join our Patreon if you would like to support us monetarily. At $1, you'll get our everlasting thanks. At, at our $5 tier, you can get some artwork from Jacob. And at our $10 tier, you can get bloopers for every for, for every episode we've released that I've remembered to release them for. And you can get commentaries from different movies. So come check us out over there if you would like to support us financially. Every other week, join the Retro Rewind Pod as they travel back 15 or more years along the entertainment space-time continuum in their mission to review movies and games, establishing what is still worth your time today. Expect fun banter and trivial insights from Francisco and Paul, the Master Interrupter Powers, and rotating guest hosts who are all out of time. Do you like Star Wars? I don't just mean the original trilogy. Along with that, I mean the prequels, the sequels, the anthologies, the animated shows, and of course, <laughs> who doesn't like Baby Yoda? Well, if you've been in the fandom for any length of time, you know how toxic the fandom can get. And if you'd like to be able to discuss a galaxy far, far away in a much more positive light, might I suggest searching out The Outer Rim, a Facebook group dedicated to all of Star Wars, and check out their YouTube channel, which you can easily find at Pop Americana which the podcast you're currently listening to is also a part of. To find that and more, check out the link in the description. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Listener discretion is advised. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was written and directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and they also directed and wrote the Lego movie and Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. It was also uh, somewhat written by uh, Rob Greenberg, who also wrote some episodes of Frasier. Hmm. It is based on the book by Judy Barrett and Ron Barrett. Getting into the cast, we have Bill Hader playing Flint Lockwood, and in the movie Inside Out, he plays Fear. Hmm. Anna Ferris plays Sam Sparks, and she was Cindy in Scary Movie 4. You can tell I didn't have much to pull from mm-hmm. there. 
Uh, James Kahn was the voice of Tim Lockwood, and he was Sonny Corleone in The Godfather. Hmm. I still need to watch that film. I do, or too. Film a series of films. Andy Samberg was the voice of Baby Brent, because that's all they really refer to him as. He yeah. never got a first name. But he was Jonathan in Hotel Transylvania. Mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell was the <laughs> voice of Mayor Shelbourne, and he is most well known for playing Ash Williams in the Evil Dead trilogy. Mm-hmm. Or Bernardus. That too. But I know him from Ash. Mm-hmm. Ash. But not to be outdone by Bruce Campbell, we've got Officer Earl Devereaux being played by Mr. T. <laughs> who is most famous for playing B.A. Baracus in the A-Team. Mm-hmm. Or Rocky Three. <laughs> He didn't play B.A. Baracus. No, he, he he played. Um, who do you play in Rocky three? Come on, Jacob. Come on. Come on. I don't remember. Uh, he, he plays a boxer. He he defeats Rocky. And I know this. I just don't remember the character's name. Yeah, I, I'm losing my. I've never actually as seen as a, Rocky. It's just I know. Mr. What? <laughs> I've never seen Rocky. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not like another sibling. I would have probably rated you for not watching Rocky at this point. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just kidding. That's all right. Uh, Bobby J. Thompson voiced Cal Devereaux. That was his son, mm. and uh, he played Stanley in That's So Raven. Oh, okay. Benjamin Bratt was the voice of Manny. That's the cameraman. Mm. And uh, he played Ernesto de la Cruz in Coco. Oh. You know, the villain of that one. Yeah. Spoilers. Right. (laughs) Neil Patrick Harris was the voice of Steve. The monkey. Oh, yeah. The monkey. (laughs) And uh, he was Dr. Doogie Howser in Doogie Howser, MD. Mm -hmm. Among a lot of other things more recently. Yeah, I don't know them. (laughs) Kingdom Hearts Connections. Ariel Winter was additional voices here, and she has played young Kyrie in Kingdom Hearts. Hmm. Jess Harnell uh, was additional voices here and played both Dr. Finkelstein, Locke, and additional voices in Kingdom Hearts. Hmm. Paul Eiding was additional voices here, and he played Colonel Roy Campbell in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate from uh, on uh, the Metal Gear Solid stage. Gotcha. And uh, S- Steve Mayer and Jonathan Williams and Paul Keg were all musicians huh. that were involved in this movie and were also musicians in Kingdom Hearts 3 specifically. <laughs> Jonathan Williams and Paul Keg were both cellos. Steve Mayer was a double bass. Which brings me to the end of the Kingdom Hearts connections. What do we got in info and stuff? All right. So info and stuff. On IMDb, it has a 6.9 out of 10. Uh, if you subscribe to Netflix, uh, it's available there. Which is where I watched it. Mm-hmm. I watched it on DVD combo pack. I watched it, strangely enough, with the audio description turned on. That would be interesting. There's an interesting point later on. Well, I can go ahead and say it now, right quick. There's a point in the film, you know, when, they, when the ice cream is everywhere. Ascending, yeah. Or descending, and, and, descending. Uh, they're talking, and 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 Sam Sam is saying stuff like, "Oh, you got strawberry over there, and, and look, even Steve has got some chocolate pieces." 
and it's very obviously not chocolate pieces. Oh. And the audio description, since it has to explain this joke for those who can't see it, mm. says they may not be chocolate pieces. <laughs> and that got me a good laugh. Oh my gosh. All right. So production was by Columbia Pictures and Sony Pictures. Distributed by Sony Pictures releasing. Release date. Uh, where do you think this was originally uh, showed? Where did it originally shown. get shown? Yeah, originally. Uh, cans. Cans Film Festival. Yes. Uh, well, according to information, it was re- uh, first shown on September 12, 2009 in Los Angeles. Oh. Uh, I was just making a guess. I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> uh, a couple of days later, on September 18th of 2019, it was shown world, uh, the United States wide in world release. Uh, it had an estimated budget of $100 million. Uh, its opening was $30.3 million on September 20th. Its mm-hmm. U.S. and Canada gross was $124.8 million. And its world gross was $243 million. Also going in home release. Uh, the film was released on DVD and Blu-ray. And PSP UMD. Oh, I remember that format. <laughs> uh, on January on January fifth, two thousand ten, in the United States and Canada, a three D Blu Ray was released. Back then, with a, you know the three D Blu Ray was a big thing. Yeah, but this does not look like it was made with three D in mind when they made it. This mm. doesn't, doesn't have the same usual three D effects but it would have nearly had to have been because this is long after they were still doing the 3d stuff right all right uh the gimmicks that's what i'm looking for gimmicks got it uh that was released on june 20 22 2010 it was uh the first 3d blu-ray sold individually in the united states uh sequel yes there was a sequel cloudy with a chance of meatballs too uh was released on january on september 24 7th 2013 with a box box office return of 274.3 million dollars okay that's all i have for an info and stuff all right getting into the summary which will be a lot shorter than last week aspiring scientist flint lockwood lives with his widowed father tim and his monkey assistant steve in swallow falls an island in the atlantic ocean literally under the a in atlantic with an economy based on sardines as sardines are considered unsavory by the rest of the world, I think the New Yorkers would uh, would, would might want to say something about that. Because mm-hmm. uh, they like it on their pizza for some reason. <laughs> the island's economy declines, forcing its citizens to subsist on a mainly sardine-based diet. One day, Flint develops the Flint Lockwood Diatonic Supermutating Dynamic Food Replicator, also known as the Flint's Murderfer. Probably said that wrong, but it's close enough. Murder pair. Flint's murder for. I have to say that again here in a minute, so that'll be fun. It's a device that converts water into food in an effort to expand the town's diet. Much to the chagrin of Tim, who, annoyed by Flint's failed contraptions, wants him to run the family business instead. Flint's first attempt to plug the device in knocks out the house's power, so he connects the Flint's murder for 
to a local substation, overloading it and sending it rocketing across town, demolishing Sardine Land, a sardine-themed amusement park meant to revitalize the town and disappearing into the sky. The chaos earns Flint the ire of the town along with that of Sam Sparks, an amateur field reporter, and the, and the disappointment of Tim. Soon after, cheeseburgers begin falling from the sky, and Flint realizes the Flintsmurdifer is functioning successfully in the atmosphere, using the condensation from clouds to create food-based weather systems while keeping itself afloat. Swallow Falls rejoices in their new food choices. They've renamed themselves Chew and Swallow and making a food tourism destination, making Flint an international celebrity. Flint and Sam grow closer after she reveals that she, has, she was teased as a child for her glasses and her fascination with meteorology. However, Flint notices that Flintsmurdifer food has begun to gradually become bigger in size due to the Flintsmurdifer's creations mutating exponentially in the atmosphere. Having been overloaded by the massive amounts of water vapor, he attempts to warn the town's mayor about the Flintsmurdifer's malfunction though the mayor is too concerned about profit and ignores him. After a tornado made of spaghetti threatens the town, Flint attempts to shut the Flintsmurdifer down, only for the mayor to inadvertently destroy the console while trying to stop him, causing the machine to become rogue and create a massive storm. Flint creates a USB flash drive designed to shut down the Flintsmurdifer and uses his repurposed flying car to reach it, accompanied by Steve, Sam, his, her cameraman Manny, and the town's former mascot Brent. Upon reaching the Flintsmurdifer, they discover it has surrounded itself in a giant meatball-like object made of food for protection. As the group reach the interior, the flash drive is destroyed, prompting Flint to call Tim and instruct him to email the drive's code to his cell phone via the, his laboratory computer. Finding the Flintsmurdifer, Flint connects his phone with his flash drive's code sent by Tim to it, only to discover that the wrong file was sent. All appears lost until Flint uses his spray-on shoes formula on the machine, causing it to explode and destroy the meatball, ending the storm. After surviving the destruction, Flint reunites with Tim, who finally shows appreciation for his son's, for his son's inventions, and Sam, whom he shares a kiss with. Earl Davereaux has the exact opposite hairstyle of his voice actor, Mr. T. I'm in the trivia, by the way. Mm. Instead of a T-shaped mohawk, Earl sports a T-shaped bald patch. <laughs> You're right. Neil Patrick Harris was originally offered the role of Flint, but he felt that the role of Steve was much more interesting. Continue. <laughs> the external appearance of Flint's laboratory is modeled after Wardenclyffe Tower, which was Nikola Tesla's laboratory for wireless transmission experiments. Hmm. The plot of the film has almost nothing in common with that of the book, hmm. outside of the fact of food falling from the skies and the town being named Chew and Swallow Falls. So yeah, if you hate the fact that it's called Chew and Swallow, it's the book's fault. Hmm. At around the four minutes, at around four minutes, the island on which the town of Swallow Falls is located corresponds to the real-life geographic location of Bermuda. This is implied at the beginning when the island is said to be under the first A in Atlantic, as Bermuda is the only island in the West Atlantic north of the tropics. 
It is later confirmed on a weather map towards the climax of the movie at around 45 minutes when the weather storm is clearly seen to originate several hundred miles off the coast of the Carolinas. And lastly, this was the first Columbia Pictures and Sony Pictures animation film to have an altered logo sequence. That's true. Good. So, Jacob, I'm interested in what your first like might possibly be. Okay. My first like is actually, it's a very colorful environment. It very, it's... It's very much a kids movie, but at the same time, the the use of color in this film is very um, not staggering, but it's very it's very well used. the The color palette is very poppy. Yeah, it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. It's very attractive to the eye. Uh, I definitely when you get into like when the, the literal the sky is falling with food, be like it's the use of colors there very well, and it sets the mood very well. Uh, definitely when uh, Flint, Flint Lockwood's uh, machine goes awry and starts destroying everything, uh, the how the co- the uh, the environmental color shift mm-hmm. and the, the the use of color in this movie is very well done. I, I applaud the movie for that. It does have very interesting the use of co- that's color palette is very well done. Yeah, color. Yeah. All right, all right. My first like is the logic of this movie and how it oh, sticks with the logic. Really? Okay. Now, let me explain. Okay. Um, this movie does not follow what I would consider the normal laws of science. No, you think? <laughs> they kind of have to be bent quite a lot <laughs> for, in order for food to rain down from the sky. Yeah. Granted, water and nuclear fusion. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's kind of hand waves like, yeah, water goes in the top, food comes out the bottom. That's all you really need to know. And he can somehow program the machine yeah. to from a distance in order to do this. I have questions. <laughs> I'm not saying it's perfect, but no. for a simple explanation, it's like, that's all you really need to know. But the thing is, the way they handle how the food comes down, I think is very, it's done very well. Okay. The logic of, you know, he can do like he can cause it to, to rain ice cream mm-hmm. to the point where it somehow comes down in scoops. Right. But then there is one little issue. Cause when he made the giant jello mold, yeah, he couldn't do that all from programming. He no. had to actually make a giant jello mold to put the jello in. Yeah. where did he get the jello mold and where did it go? Yeah. where did it go? Did it go into that, you know, massive scrap pile? <laughs> Or we'll get, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um. There comes a point though in the in in the movie where you have to stop asking what I would consider stupid questions, mm-hmm. like how does any of this actually work, right? And just accept what you're seeing. And once you do that, you'll realize they actually do stick with the internal logic of the of how all this is supposed to work. Okay. Uh, so I and I appreciate that the only real issue that I have with the logic because there has to be some because no movie is going to be perfect right, with that. Right. Why did it only affect the monuments first before it <laughs> went out? Don't get me wrong; it's yeah. a fun, great. There's a lot of great visual images, which I'm going to yeah, get agreed. to here in a minute. Agreed. But uh, the fact is, like, he would say in a, in a very strange weather anomaly 
It somehow affected all our giant, mo- all, all the world's monuments first, and is now expanding out everywhere else. And I'm going, that's not how weather works. <laughs> uh, he said it was a strange anomaly. So I mean, right. and it's meant to be a joke. I mean, I know. you can't think about it too hard. But that is a weird thing there. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate how they, when they set a piece of logic up, they stick with it. Then mm. that's my first like. Okay. What's your second like? My second like would be. Uh, I think you t- you you touched on a little bit. It has an interesting premise mm-hmm. where a scientist uh, is able to create food from nothing, literally just water and nuclear fusion. Some somehow somehow somehow. You're and, not meant to think about it too much, right? And I. I like the idea the the idea of the the father and son who don't get along mm-hmm. or the the father who's trying to be he's not encouraging at all his, his son's he he's he's never really he does not express himself yeah and I, I I like that dynamic a little bit I'm I'll get in my dislikes later but uh I like the dynamic of the the father and son and the 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 way they can't communicate with each other mm-hmm. and I, I find that very interesting it has and it, again it does have a very interesting premise okay okay so that's my, my second like my second like actually is the relationship between flint and his dad okay they have a strained relationship a little very much so um Flint's father, uh, Tim, cannot express himself to his son. Agreed. He has a hard time trying. He, he wants to say the right thing, but he doesn't know how to say the right thing. Mm-hmm. And the son is not very listening very much. Uh, or not trying to, because for once, Flint, for a change, feels like he's successful. Yeah. Talk. I'll talk more about that in a second. Right. Um. But the fact that you can tell they do love each other. Yeah. And they they both are not good at talking to each other. Right. That's a very hard type of relationship to actually show in a film. Yeah. Because it's not the kind of thing most people want to write, especially in a kid's film. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they never show, they don't show, Tim is not overbearing. He's, no, he's trying good. to do the best he can. He's trying to do what he thinks is right for his son. He just doesn't know what's right for most of the film yeah of course what's right he does have what i consider to be the best line for the film in terms of what you have what you what you have to keep in mind when you're trying to deal with you know the troubles Mm -hmm. we might deal with and that is when it looks like it's going to rain you put on a coat yeah I, i i agree that I think the father is tr- he's trying to direct his son mm-hmm. in a more positive direction. He's trying to like he's trying to encourage his son even though he has he doesn't have the words to, to describe what he's trying to say. And I like the way his like the the father is tr- I'm trying not to repeat myself in this. This is a man who 
I do I do enjoy the like I said before the dynamic of these two characters. Yeah. And the father's he is trying so hard to get his son to go be like be like I, I know you I know you like science. I know this, but it's not working. Be like you need to start thinking about a different path. Yeah. And Flint is like, no, this is the path they need to do. And I have a slew of questions regarding that. But uh, there again, it's a cartoon, so logic goes somewhat out the window sometimes. Right. Um, but I do appreciate the character dynamic between these two and the father's attempt to uh, not straighten his son out, but more try to guide him in a different, guide him more healthy direction. Okay. Yeah. My, oh, was that your second? You haven't done your third like. No, yet. I have not. What's your third like? Sorry, my third, my third, my third like is actually the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> the the mayor is this man who is, and plus he's he's voiced by Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Campbell. Yeah. He's voiced by Bruce Campbell. I did not know that until just a minute ago, and I was like, "What? <laughs> this is amazing." Uh, so his his whole desire there again, he's a terrible mayor. Yeah, he's a terrible. Like, mayor. how did he's, this guy get he, elected? He got elected because no one else wanted to run the town, and he wants to be the big shot. Oh yeah, but apparently he can't get to back to the states to try to be a big shot there. So he tried to be a big shot. Yeah. in town. Uh huh. And he does get to be the big man. Yeah, by the end of this film, literally, literally, <laughs> literally. Um, and it's. <laughs> His his obsession to we, we need to revitalize the revitalize the city. We're gonna we're gonna put it in this very dinky little park that's wrapped around the 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 uh, the, the sod, sardines 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 and like even though it's, he, like, it's themed on sardines, even though sardines are dying. Yeah, e- even though that industry is dead in their city. Yeah, and but they have li- literally nothing else to base. Uh, tourism on and he uses the entire budget for the year to do it <laughs> without asking anybody's permission exactly to do so. <laughs> exactly so it, it makes him an in, he makes he makes him it makes him a kind of a semi-interesting foe villain yeah he, he's not really he's not he's he's a he's, he's a he's a quote he's a quote-unquote antagonist but he really isn't yeah no i would say he's the antagonist because it is his fault like things get out as out of control as they do it's a flint went along with it along with the rest of the town yeah, because he's because flint is so but he, like he he wants all the attention he right. wants the glory but everyone else was kind of going through that with they were kind of forced him to do that anyway and the mayor was literally being the mayor of the town and putting the town's wants, mm-hmm. which was create more food weather. Yeah. As and he did have a, I would say he, I wouldn't call him the villain because I don't think yeah. this film has a villain, but he is the closest thing to an antagonist and he does get his comeuppance at the end of the film. Well, so, yeah. Be like, he, he literally, he is be like, he, he gets attacked by rat birds. Yeah, he does get trap our rappers. <laughs> and uh his his obsession with food becomes his un kind of becomes his undoing. Especially after he abandoned the town. He literally abandons the town on a a, a, on a sandwich, cheeseburger raft. A cheeseburger raft in which there again water like bright absorbs water. <laughs> it's toast. 
So it's our water. It's toast. And once again, at some point, this film, you have to quit thinking of it logically and look at look at this cool visual we're doing. <laughs> you have to admit that part. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. <laughs> it, it's sometimes it's hard to turn that off on me. Sometimes. I know, I know. Um, this is why you don't like Galaxy Quest either. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Um, I'm so cast plus. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh, that again. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. We did that on movie of the week, and all those movies have a long statute of limitations before they can be reviewed again. <laughs> yes. Um. But yeah, it's I, I enjoy the I enjoy the mayor for who he was. Uh, he's literally just trying to revitalize his town. He's trying to make himself the big man. Like yeah. you said earlier, he literally becomes a big man and it's hysterical. The, his metamorphosis or his evolution into this much larger person because his gluttony gets away from him. <laughs> it's almost Kafka esque. Hmm. Okay. I just went right over your head. Didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> Franz Kafka is the metamorphosis or do you not remember that from, uh, from literature? No, class? I don't. No, I don't. I, 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 we won't get into it now. All right. <laughs> oh yeah. Not. Oh yeah. Now I can see what you're talking about. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Because I understood what the uh, the concept you're talking about. It's like, oh yeah, definitely. Um. So yeah, I just I I enjoy the mayor himself. It's just like he's a funny character. I wouldn't call him definitely the antagonist, but he he antagonizes I mean, if, things. Well, if he's not the antagonist. The film doesn't have an antagonist outside of the general feelings of the town, which. I mean, this kind of this film does kind of sit on like a fulcrum between a character hero versus environment versus hero versus an antagonist, right. admittedly. But I mean, yeah, and I feel like if if the film really had an antagonist, it would be Flint's machine because it just it becomes. Dag would consider that part of the environment. Yeah, that's true because it's working on the logic it was programmed with. But just just to throw this out there, wouldn't the the villain of the movie be the inventor himself because he's the one who created all of this. that's hero versus himself which yeah. also is the issue but at the same yeah. time i if had there's there's a lot of blame to be thrown around oh yeah uh so i think you're correct mm -hmm. that but i mean if you want to put it in easy to understand terms i think you can call the most antagonistic person to be the mayor. Yeah, I would agree. He's, he's probably the most Flint is just as much guilty as uh, everyone else is. In fact, mm -hmm. ironically, the person with the least amount of guilt involved in the whole thing might be Baby Brent. Uh, yeah. Baby and Brent. And Steve. And Steve. Agreed. Steve's just trying to help. Yeah. <laughs> and he wants gummy bears. Yeah. That was a good scene, though. Yes, that was a very good scene. Gummy bears. <laughs> anyway, so that's my number. That's my number three. Like my third like is that there are consequences. Oh yeah, I'm kind of well, no, kind of. There are consequences. Okay, go go. There are consequences. Uh, nobody gets scot free in this film. Gets away scot free. Okay, I I uh, I, 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 I want to hear your explanation. Oh, yeah. Now, first off. The easy one, the mayor, gets pecked to death by rat birds at the end of the film. The town, both through the gluttony they had with pushing the Flint's murder to its breaking point through Flint, right, 
and the sheer amount of food waste mm-hmm. that they put behind a dam right that was going to break eventually mm-hmm. and you can kind of see it coming from about three miles away yeah um once they show it it's like oh that's gonna be a problem <laughs> the minute they show the what do they call it the fling away anator thing yeah the fling it's like oh yeah that's a good idea yeah that's a that'll work yeah can you actually like it just it it? elsewhere it's like yeah uh no so here here's one here's one thing so as children we were taught never pick a boot off the ground right yes but i would say the logic here this in this town is different apparently because how else are you going to eat all that stuff off anyway yeah you're not supposed you're not supposed to think about that <laughs> But then there, are, there are consequences because when that dam breaks, mm-hmm. the entire town gets, you know, swallowed up by all of this the tsunami, food, of food. The tsunami of food. Now, there's a lot of other consequences, but the big one is not in this movie. Okay. It's at the beginning of the next movie. Really? When... Uh, the villain, the there is an actual antagonist in the next movie. Oh, okay. I will Good. say that. There's an actual villain in the next movie. Okay. Kind of a I'm not gonna say who it is because you'll know it five seconds into the film. Okay. But um he kind of kicks them all out of town and takes over the island. That's a large island. And the island slowly mutates into a food jungle. Oh my gosh. With food-based animals, Ugh, it's a food park. It's not Jurassic Park. It's food park. Kinda, yes, actually. Oh but there are consequences God. to the actions, not just Flint's and the mayors and the right. towns. There's ev- everyone, including all the people who are, and they don't get rid of that food that happens to go out to the major landmarks quickly. Right, but I mean, you do have that. By the way, did you catch the historical thing with the pies on Mount Rushmore? I, I remember the scene, but it's okay. historical. Okay, what? Right. So George Washington hit in the face with the pie. Right. Uh, is it Teddy Roosevelt? Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt, and who's the third one? That's not Lincoln. It's a. Uh, I'm trying to, I can't think right Teddy. now. Teddy Roosevelt? I already said Teddy Roosevelt. No, you said well, Lincoln. No, Lincoln's the fourth one. Yeah, the one that's the fourth. The, the three that are not Lincoln, let's yes. just say that. Yes. <laughs> Before we dig ourselves into a weird hole. They all get the, the pie, in the, pie in the face. Yeah. But Lincoln's hits him from the back. back. Oh, my gosh. I just, and it, <laughs> it goes through his nose. Oh, oh, my gosh. I didn't think about that. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If it was Sandy Roosevelt, it should have went into his chest. But they never carved that part. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you have to remember Mount Rushmore is technically incomplete. It is incomplete. Yes. <laughs> People forget this. Oh my gosh. But they get I, I saw they that get in the back of the head. <laughs> I saw that. And it was like, what in the world? But I guess I wasn't paying that close of attention. It didn't occur to you that there no. might have been a, a historical a joke. joke. Historical joke there. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah, don't don't tell me the 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 pie's name is both, right? I don't. <laughs> I have no idea. The better question is why does the Flitzmurdifer make the uh, pie tins that are on those things at the same time? Exactly. That's the one time it's like everything else they make. You know, it's just the food. Yeah, not the utensils needed to eat the food. <laughs> Except this time where they literally have the pie tins. It's like. That's not the way that's, this was where that's the that's really the one place where the logic gives way in, in order to do the gag. But you didn't have to have the top pythons to know they were pies. Anyway, anyways, beside the point. Oh my gosh! Uh, but yeah, there are tons of consequences. Both, you know, if we start to see them here, and uh, how it goes into you know the, the second film. Yeah, and in fact, the climax of this film there up in the the giant meatball. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you know the tr- the chickens appear to be alive. Oh my gosh! Despite being roasted, right? Oh um, the gummy bears mm-hmm. being alive. I, I enjoyed that part. Everything the else, flying pizza slices. That was just. Uh, that is like I. They, the that World War II reference was fun. That that's a that's a great start to where they're going in the mm-hmm. second film. Uh, okay. But I think the designs in the second film are better. Anyway, mm. that's my third like. Okay. Now the part I'm actually the most interested in. <laughs> Jacob, do me a favor and rip this film a new one, as right. I f- fully suspect all you're right. going all to. All right, all right. Or my, my first is like, I'm not a big fan of Flynn. I'm not a big fan of him. He is there again, be like, the reason I like the father so much, he's trying to direct his son in a good path. Mm-hmm. Flynn doesn't do that. Flynn, I, I, what I suspect is that his mother babied him so much and gave him so much cooing and praising that he's such a great inventor that it's like one. I, it's like, okay, he spends his entire life, his entire life inventing things that do not work. Two, be like, he has a father who's desperately just try, not desperately trying to get his son to go on to a, a better path be like not to discourage him in a, in a like this mm-hmm. like derogatory way but just to get him to do something that is productive rather than making inventions that don't work right. like yes i understand passion i understand charisma about desire to create something believe me i'm an artist i get it and uh, Flint is just so he's so determined that like, oh, I've got to do this one more thing. I do this one more thing. He he is so selfish in his his desire to create his uh his food replicator mm-hmm. that it's gonna be the thing that's gonna change the world. It's gonna be the thing that changes the world. It does change the world for the worst. <laughs> and let, let me continue. I'm letting you. Okay. You haven't repeated yourself yet, so that's why I haven't no. interrupted. Good. Um so Flint be like he's so doggedly determined be like oh yeah dad I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the store and literally he runs out the door grabs his coat and be like oh yeah I'm gonna hook up to the power plant because I need more power because I'm so just de- I'm so uh, uh, uh. yeah exactly <laughs> I'm, I'm so I'll be like I'm so determined I'm just gonna do whatever it takes and he he causes be like he literally literally launches his device into the stratosphere I'm like okay and now it starts raining food from the sky okay so now you can still have connection with this thing. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. And um, 
there, there's I I love the 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 hero versus self conflict. I love mm-hmm. that. I love this about the, about this film. The only problem is Flynn is the the kid that was oh I was picked on as a kid. We were all picked on as kids in some in some degrees, some worse. Yeah, and um, he he has this this ego that he has to be popular. He has to be be like famous in some the some uh, some fashion, and he is he is a man of conflict. Mm-hmm. He's a man of conflict, and he is. There's points where he's he's looking at me like you know what? I need to stop doing this, and he doesn't because either the mayors be like trying he's goading him on. And then you have the people that are like, oh, this is a really good thing. But he knows it's wrong. Mm-hmm. He knows it's wrong. But he continually over and over and over again is seeing that that mark go up and up and up. And he doesn't stop because he's so obsessed. He's obsessed with being beloved and cherished by people that he literally creates a ecological disaster Mm-hmm. by be like his his ego needs to be more he he's like the mayor he's like the mayor in a way because the the mayor wants fame so flint wants fame he he wants people to love him he wants this adoration but at the cost of his entire town the i mean like he literally destroys his own hometown mm-hmm. like yes be like yes be like people are egging him on people are doing this but it's his decision and there again, going back to the conflict of self, be like, he's always at that conflict. But at the same time, he continually ignores it. It's like in, in, like in the Christian perspective of ignoring the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. ignoring that urge to like do the right thing, le- go back to God. No, he literally leans into his sin of, I want desire. I want this. I want this. And only at the last minute, he starts realizing, oops, I made a mistake. <laughs> Be like, yeah, it's it's great that he, he like he be like, oh, I'm gonna pull all these wacky hijinks, these wacky hijinks to to somehow make things better, but it's just <laughs> I, I I found it very irritating. Okay. It's like, so yeah. So to summarize <laughs> your dislike, yes, possibly in a very mean way. <laughs> You dislike the fact that this character is flawed, <laughs> and that's what pushes the story forward. <laughs> Despite the fact it's actually a very understanding flaw that almost everyone it, can it, understand. It, it is. The fact that he finally, after a lifetime worth of feeling like he can't do anything right, he finally is successful, and it's successful enough it looks like it's going to revitalize the entire town. Right. And... Uh, nobody he he's aware that there's issues but everyone keeps goading him on to do go on and be to do more and more because they don't care yeah. what the consequences might be yeah and there again he doesn't know like what the machine can really do he doesn't right. know this granted from a logical like if we were studying this as whether or not he should have worked done like this as a person I am right there with you. He was did a lot of bad things. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is he's not alone in that and like everyone in that town is guilty. Oh, I would, to I would, some degree. I would, I would agree of with what, you. of the ecological disaster that befalls uh uh Swallow Falls. Yeah. And will lead to the issues that come up in the second right. film. I will grant you that, but 
I would say your problem with the character is just that you don't like how this character is flawed. There's nothing you like about the character in reality. Well, I mean, like outside of he's, you know, passionate and really likes the stuff. Yeah. Like, I just, I just, I've, I've, I just found it really irritating there again, be like characters do have flaws, but my, my thought was, was like, okay, be like Flint, you realize like, yes, you are getting success. You are getting all the glory. You're getting attention that you mm-hmm. desired your entire life. I get that. Yeah. But, but he, it's very easy to be distracted from yeah. the dangers you that you should be seeing coming. Yeah. Because of all the praise and adoration you're getting. That's yeah. kind of how sin works. Yeah. Agreed. I completely <laughs> agreed. And touche. Uh, touche. Uh, yeah. I just I mean, like. Just, just I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong for being yeah. irritated at Flint. Do not get me wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying every single thing you put in there is like you're just nailing down the plot of the story. So it sounds like what you don't like is the plot. <laughs> that could be it. I just didn't like the plot. <laughs> and that's fair. That is yeah. absolutely fair. So yeah, just to recap what I was trying to say, I just didn't like the plot of the movie. <laughs> like it's I, I think it's just more be like it was it was it's a flood it's a flood individual who wants glory, who wants fame, but realizes what he's jumping into mm-hmm. and like knows the danger, disregards the danger because of his desires. It like winds up causing you this just the plot of this film I didn't like. <laughs> now I will grant you, and this might lead into part of my dislike. Okay. My first dislike is the fact that this is a film that's set up to be a tragedy according to the ancient terminologies of uh, comedies and tragedies. Yeah. Because basically a comedy goes from tragedy to to happy ending. Mm -hmm. While as tragedies tend to start at, you know, everything being bright and sunny and going downhill. Yeah. This one breaks that start is, is should be a tragedy. And the fact that there is any happy ending at the end, because that's the thing, there is technically a happy ending at the end of this film. Yeah. But the problem is, it's um, it's almost an unearned happy ending. Yeah, agree. I will yes. say, by itself, that is an issue. Mm-hmm. The problem I have is I already know how the second film starts, mm. which starts seconds after this film ends. Mm. So I already know what's about to happen. Yeah. So granted, yeah, I follow exactly what you're saying, but at the same time, I... I think if I I can't get down, I can't get behind you on not liking the plot because I can. There have been plenty of times where I thought I was going down the right road myself. Yeah. Even though I could kind of see a lot of signs saying turn around. Yeah. You're going the wrong way. Oh, I completely agree with you on that. I completely yeah. agree with you on that. Uh, and I can I can completely understand the thought process Flint went through. And the reason I will say that, you know, the mayor is the ultimate antagonist is because he, the, the mayor should know better, but he yeah. didn't care. Yeah. And he's the one who really pushes everything faster. Yeah. Um, and in many cases, Flint may have made the turnaround a lot easier had the mayor not been there goading him along, mm. giving him, giving Flint the love and support, or the, at least the support. Right. Or the adoration that Flint's been wanting all this time. Right. That, bless his father's heart, the father was not good at showing. No, he's not. Just because that's just not who he was. Yeah, agreed. Uh, that 
I, I get that. And that's the only reason I, I go against what you're saying. It's like, yeah. like I said, that's the plot of the film that you just said you didn't like. And granted, you're allowed to not like a story. Yeah. And, and I, your, I, that your, your dislike there is like, is very similar to my general thoughts on why I didn't like Anastasia. Hmm. So, I mean, yeah, this is literally, it is flipped. That flipped. It's flipped. But, uh, yeah. Cause I, I fully buy into this and you don't, that's fine. Yeah. Now, great. I do. I do. When you explain it the way you just did. Yeah. You're like it's, it's well, okay. I get it. I get be like, I got it when I watched it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just more like, it's like, dude, do the right thing. Be like, you know, you have to do the right thing. But, but he, I know he's, yes, he's I, not in a position mentally to do the right thing. Oh, yeah. He's, and, he, and there is nobody, the only person who is trying to push him is his father. back is his father. And yeah. his father is not good at, I wouldn't say not good at supporting, he's not good at expressing what yeah. he's trying to say. Yes. And the fact that, you know, he, talks and fishing metaphors mm-hmm. and flint doesn't understand fishing fishing metaphors mm-hmm. is the big roadblock there and it's yeah, not until my second dislike okay <laughs> we'll right. get to in a minute where that's actually fixed but we'll get there in a minute all right what's your second dislike yeah you already did your first i did my first okay. and my first is the fact that it's a tragic film yeah. as, as all the earmarks of a tragic film mm-hmm. but turns into a happy ending at the end and yeah it does the happy ending does not fit and the only reason i accept it is because i know how the next film begins yeah i would agree i agree with you on that all right so going to my second is uh what do i have down i just you want your blank on something mm-hmm. uh i did have the the third act the third act kind of just to, to me, the third act really didn't work. And let me explain that. So we, we were set up with the machine can replicate food. Yes. With water and nuclear fusion. Mm-hmm. And somehow it, that, that food is mutating. Yeah, somehow it's mutating with nuclear, fu- as Flint describes, is, is it's nuclear fusion with the water overabsorption that somehow it's becoming mutated. It's becoming sentient. Yeah. I just can't get behind the fact that the food become, I know it's a gag in the movie. I get it. But just to me, it's just like, I'm watching this and like, this is getting stupid beyond belief that the, 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 I know, I know, I know this is ridiculous, but <laughs> the, the food itself becoming sentient. And it's just like, okay, that's, that's a weird idea. Like there again, I, I want some kind of logic behind it. Instead of, you know, just be like, oh, it's the water and the fusion and da, 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 da. it's, it's over. It's, oh, it's, uh, it's being overloaded. So now it's creating a defense force for itself. <laughs> but either or, either or. This is magic technology we're yeah, dealing with. Exactly. Not real technology. Yeah, I know. I know that. The guy made uh, plastic coverings for shoes, his shoes. Which he couldn't get off. Which he can't take off. <laughs> All right, so I just want to, to stop the epidemic of the shoes being untied thing. Yeah. Either or, either yeah, or. Th- there's like, there's a point, like I said earlier in the, in the review. Here's a point where it's like you just accept what you're told and move on because right. if you think about it too hard, you will ruin the movie for yourself. Yeah, I, that's what I, that's what I think I did with this film. I just overthought <laughs> it. I, there again, I have this problem with overthinking things. Yeah. So, my my one of my issues with this film is Sam herself. Sam be like, she's this 
go get her. She's she's a meteorologist. Or what she's described as a meteorologist in the first. She's described as a weather girl. Yeah, a weather girl. Because that's all. I can't remember what they who uh, the name of the company, the name of the station. Yeah, is weather this. action. But news. it's but it's essentially Weather Channel. Yeah, uh, that's what they hired her for, and they and they hired someone who was cute and perky because that's all they care about in Weather Girls. Yeah, and she actually wants to study the weather. Yeah, so so. Be like okay, I'd be like I'm I'm getting that she's be like she 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 enjoys her job she mm-hmm. enjoys her job, but the 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 character flaw the part where her character flaw becomes completely obvious and it completely breaks down is when she's telling her backstory she's telling her flawed little story her mm-hmm. her oh she be like oh she wanted to be this it's like Flint she wanted to be this scientist and she wanted to be a meteorologist and she got this you know something something 3000 weather machine she wanted this weather machine she wanted this weather machine yeah and so she happens to be the one she finds in the weather van and yeah ironically ironically she finds it in the what the right yeah she just brings that thing everywhere with her even though be like oh i I gave up science oh i gave up being a nerd i'm like okay but you're a weather girl you know all about science be like you don't get hired on by a weather by a weather channel to become the weather girl be like yeah you're cute and perky but you understand be like you have to have a degree in this stuff so you did not drop being a nerd and stop wearing glasses because you should still wear your glasses right so it's this it's it's a I, what am i i'm i'm trying to find the word that it's it's uh it's not a false equivalency it's just the the, well, the the character describes all these things that she gave up, but she's still that character. So I, I'm going to say this with the full knowledge that I don't know how um, how, how net, net networks, different different networks are across yeah. the country. Yeah. So maybe this is somewhat of a ma- more ma- major problem than I'm aware of. Yeah. But I do know there is a trope. Yeah. That I disagree with completely yeah i agree that the that quote unquote weather girl quote unquote weather girl is just there to be perky and bubbly and the real meteorology is happening behind the scenes but those people are too ugly to be seen on camera yeah that's what i keep hearing i okay this is just from my own experience yeah and admittedly i am going off of what i've seen on the weather channel itself yeah what I've seen on our local television stations mm-hmm. back when I paid attention to that, which was before COVID before they, everything just got too depressing to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for the most part, I don't know many weather girls on these shanks. Mm. They hire meteorologists yeah. that people trust. Yeah, exactly. The closest thing they do to something cutesy is when they put the weather dog out there. Yeah. And maybe that's a weather girl. I don't know. I didn't bother. <laughs> I don't know what the gender of the dog is. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> uh, maybe this is a thing in like bigger networks where they are literally just trying to get people, trying to get higher ratings by having a cute, perky girl being on the, yeah, presenting the weather because they, because nobody wants to watch the news anyway. Right. I am not aware of this actually being a thing. Right. But I've seen it on television. Right. And in movies for years. Yeah. The one is the, in fact, the only time I can think of off the top of my head where this wasn't the case. Yeah. Was in Groundhog Day when Bill Murray is the weatherman. Yeah. 
That's the only time I can think of it. And there it makes sense because, you know, he needs to be the weatherman to go cover right. Pakistani Phil. Right. I don't know where this comes from. And I agree with you. This is a stupid plot point. It is. It's very stupid. But I also get the idea that in some of these other places where there is a high degree of uh, what we would call, I think I think the modern term would be patriarchy, though I yeah. hate this term. Right. But I think uh, where the glass ceiling for women is harder mm. to break through. Right. I can see where maybe this might come up. I can and see the that, idea yeah. that she might, in order to better impress the people she's working with and yeah. hopes that maybe she'll finally get the big break. Cause this was her big break. Yeah. But finally get a big break that people aren't just going to make fun of her for. Yeah. Even though that's kind of what this was, it was the break. They sent yeah. her there because nobody else wanted to go. Yeah. I can see why she would change almost everything about herself. I can see her thought processes. Yeah. She shouldn't have to mind you. Agreed. I agree that she shouldn't have to. Right. But I can see why she thought maybe she did. Yeah. In order to try and get ahead. And that's about the only way you can trust see, show a woman trying to get ahead on children's television because there are other ways they they can try they would not nice ways right that we know has happened in the past right but you can't show that on kids television of course or kids movies so. exactly uh, I completely agree with your point I think that's why they show that but like I said I don't know of this happening myself yeah agreed my my problem with they're gonna like my problem with this point. Like there again, I agree with you. It's a stupid plot point. Mm -hmm. It's a stupid because plot point. I mean, like she's a weather girl. She needs. She, it's like I, maybe this is just me, but I assume the person who's presenting me with the weather actually knows what they're talking about. Yeah, and is not just following along with what a, a teleprompter says. Yeah, believe the teleprompter. Yeah, be like I, your words in the right order, but I assume they wrote what's on the teleprompter. Yeah, because most be like I've met a few weather uh, meteorologists. Be like, yeah, they are nerds through and through about yeah. weather and about science and yes. all mathematics, the whole enchilada. And that is perfectly fine. I want that. I want the person I, who's telling me the weather to actually know what they're talking about. Yeah. So this, 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 for this, this say be like, oh, da -da -da -da, she's, she's, she's saying she's not really a weather girl, but we know she's really a weather girl. Be like, she's an actual meteorologist. She mm -hmm. knows what she's doing. It's just like, it's almost as it's a stupid plot point. Just tell her she's a meteorologist and be like, maybe he's be like, it just irritated me Yeah, <laughs> beyond belief. I'm like, really? This is a stupid plot point. Oh, we need to give her a, 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 a not a sorry, but a very, a sad backstory that can relate with the main character. Not to mention it actually leads to one of my least favorite jokes in the film. Okay. When she's telling her story mm -hmm. and she pulls out her glasses, Flint goes to put them on her because he wants to see what she looks like because yeah. he thinks she's going to be cute. We, for a short second, get to see what she has been seeing without her glasses when she looks at Flint. Oh, yeah. And it transforms into the Flint we see. So she's just as shallow as everyone who's yeah, been, she's exactly. been working with. Exactly. It's like you, you were this close to showing that this was a better character than a better uh -huh. person than most of the rest of the people in that news crew. Yeah. And yeah, failed. Exactly. Now, granted, she still goes on to fall in love with him later on, but yeah. at the same time, it's like for a short second there, it's like, uh, you were close to be making this a better person. But anyway, yeah, she's, it, it, she's just as flawed as everybody else. I'm not going to complain about their uh, characters being flawed myself. Yeah. I think characters. I defended it a minute ago. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. The characters need to be flawed. 
And, you know, a, a good flawed character is a good idea. Yes. But when you're, when they're overly flawed, mm-hmm. when they're overly flawed, that's where I have problems. And well, definitely with, when your plot is just evolving around this whole thing, it just, it kind of drives me nuts. Yeah. I mean, this is, like we said, a cartoon where yes. they exaggerate things about characters. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, this is very much in line with what uh, Chris, uh, Lord Miller would, would do with, uh, the Lego movie later on, mm. it's not as much as Spider First that doesn't do this. Thankfully. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. Or at least not as noticeable. Mm-hmm. But here, they're definitely going for more like this is just a straight out comedy. It's there's a story here that you're supposed to catch, but you're not supposed to take the story incredibly right. seriously. Yeah, I think that's where my main problem is. Is you mentioned comedy? Yeah, because there are comedies for me. Be like I've said before with comedies, be like it has to be. Be like, give me the comedy. comedy has to make sense. The comedy has to make sense. And a lot of this comedy in this movie doesn't make sense to me. Or it's just be like, it's, it doesn't, it's not you like situational comedy, not jokes. Yes, exactly. I get that. I really do understand that. Yes, thank you. I just think I read more what you would consider jokes as situational comedy. That's, mm-hmm. and I think that's the difference between us. Right. Okay. But anyway, to get to my second dislike. Yes. Why does Steve's translator work on Tim? Because he puts the headband on? No. That ain't a good enough reason for I, me. I, I agree with you. It's a stupid reason. It's a very stupid reason. Because here's the thing. I, I get that idea that you know, the evolution thing is probably where they get this idea that this work. Yeah, which evolution does exist. We won't get into that right, right now. But somehow Flint was able to create. Here's the thing. Flint was able to create a device mm-hmm. that translates the thoughts of people into words that they can't say. He did it for animals, admittedly. Yeah. It would work on more than just Steve, I would assume. Yeah. And that did not get him noticed by the scientific world at large. True. That is so true. And also think about the, uh, because the, the bird monkeys. Yes, the 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 bird, the rat birds, the rat birds, like be like that's. Um, hey, granted, that and, and admittedly, that actually, you look at all the inventions he did. Yeah, they are foreshadowing what's going to happen right. with the Flood's Murderer because yeah. he's very passionate at the beginning, mm-hmm. and it kind of just tails off at the end. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But why? I I don't like the fact that Steve's translator works on, for Tim to get out what he's wanting to say. Right. Because I, maybe this is just me. I'm usually, if I am having a hard time getting said what I want to say, mm-hmm. it's not because I can't get it out of my mouth. It's because I can't get it through my skull. Yeah. Which means that translator wouldn't have worked for me either. Exactly. <laughs> it wouldn't have got it, that. That translator is doing more mad at, at science more, magic. Yeah. Than the Flitz murder was doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, it shouldn't have worked on Tim. It should have only worked on Steve for it to make it, for it to be viable as to why it. Uh, yeah, that's one of those things. Like that seems like someone thought of it's like we need a way to finish the set. We need a way to get Tim to say what's actually on his heart. Yeah, to uh to Flint, but we can't think of a good enough way to do it naturally. Oh hey, we've got this Deus Ex Machina thing on the joke exactly. on the joke monkey. Let's yeah. just use that. Yeah. No, don't do that. That's 
the joke monkey having on the joke monkey so the the monkey you get i mean doug in and uh up has is the same thing mm-hmm. but they never stupidly put that on a human and expect it to work because yeah even a monkey brain that is my understanding even biologically has some similarities with the human brain yeah you would still have to i assume calibrate it mm-hmm. for that brain so it shouldn't magically work for a human yeah logically yeah logically <laughs> there is no calibration there is no tuning a thing here and there <laughs> because the human brain is going to be about a thousand times more complex than the monk the chimpanzee brain mm-hmm. granted i understand magic science yeah totally throughout the rest of this movie and if i wasn't trying to come up with this likes i probably would ign- this would be something i still didn't like but i wouldn't care as much about it yeah but that is the they could sh- that is lazy writing. Yeah, I agree. That is, is very lazy writing to yeah. get that out there. Yeah. Now they f- this is better in the second film, I will admit. Okay. Their relationship. Maybe it's cuz they got it out here, I don't know. Yeah. But in this one it's like you want all you had to do was get Tim to say simply I'm proud of you for what, for what you're doing. And I, I'm sorry that I can't say that very easily. Most of the time, right? That's all you had to get him to say, but you give him this entire soliloquy yeah. that he's not, that he should be, that, that he's saying through this voice box because you couldn't find a way to make the fact that he couldn't say this out loud normally where it would make sense. Except going through your, Deus Ex Machina yeah. thing. Uh, it's annoying. Yeah, agreed. It's an annoying, It's that's an annoying thing. And it's one of those things that makes me wonder, granted, I have not looked at the book, so I don't know, mm-hmm. but I assume this is not something in the book. Apparently. <laughs> like, yeah, because that trivia said it has almost nothing, the book and the movie almost have nothing to do with each right. other. But I wonder if they came up with this first. When I see something like this, it makes me wonder, is this the reason that's in there? And they had, and they had to pepper it throughout the rest of the thing to make this funny joke. Probably funny jokes. It it could not be, it could be that they wrote that in there as a joke, much like the the Mm -hmm. roaming TV. Yeah. Or the, the shoes, right? Except the shoes are a plot point because it's the shoes that it's a shoe things that allow him to actually save the day at the very end of the film. So, I mean, on one hand yeah kudos for taking this thing logically in the universe and uh, that you wrote as a joke and actually making it useful elsewhere right but at the same time have the character grow up and actually grow as a character and get to what he needs to say yeah when it's hard instead of relying on this piece of magical tech to get it said yeah agreed agreed because here's the thing i get that this is meant to be a kid's movie I mean, a lot of characters, and there's, and there's not a lot of character growth in this, which is the thing that annoys me. Yes, agreed. Flint does at least have some character growth, but it'll get a little bit reversed in the next movie, unfortunately, mm, because that. of because of character flaws. But <laughs> I will say it's a character flaw thing, because yeah. you'll understand what I mean when you meet the antagonist of the next film. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, it's... the. I hate the translator. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of Steve in this movie in particular. Mm. 
So it really does feel like the character was created for this one moment to make sense. And I don't like that you have an entire other character for that purpose. Now, I think Steve was used better in the next film, but mm. it's, it's no secret. I have not made it a secret that I like the next film better than I like this film. I gotcha. But anyway. And with the uh, the track record over the writers and the mm-hmm. whatever, definitely connection with the Adams Family, Adams Family 2, uh, it kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, Phil and Lord didn't do the Adams Family movie. But the writers did. Right? Phil and Lord wrote it. Well, it's okay. just it's made by the same animation studio. Okay. Well, never mind. Anyway, I, there were creative people involved that may have done better. Right. With those, I agree. I that follow that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's your third dislike? Uh, my third dislike. Uh, the ending of this film. This 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 jumbled together happy ending. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's okay. Flint has literally descended food upon the entire planet. Now, granted, it's not, it's his fault, but not entirely. It's not all entirely his fault. Yes. As we stated before, it's not entirely his fault that he, at the last minute decides to save the world from his own disaster. Mm-hmm. And just the, the, like just the, Oh my gosh. The, the, like, like you said with Steve, the, the translation and be like, Oh, Oh, I'm still in love with you. And all it's like, it's almost like a forced ending to me. That's what it feels like. It really feels like they wrote themselves to a point. Where it's like, yeah, we're into the climax. And now we don't know how to end the film. Yeah, exactly. It, it's not, so we're just going to wrap everything up in a nice bow. Yeah. Cause right now I'll be like, I haven't seen the second movie. So right, I have right. no idea what happened. So my thought was, it was like, okay, is Flint going to be, be like he's the inventor of this machine like granted like i said before be like he's not solely responsible he mm-hmm. is the one who created it but those around him kind of pressured him to do things i'm just more like okay just what happens next be like does flint be like does the world change year yay he did this one thing but he literally destroyed the planet <laughs> in this ecological disaster <laughs> and we get this very awkward ending with everybody gets their happy ending except for the mayor he gets pecked to death by you know uh rat birds <laughs> but it's just like it's just an awkward ending it's like okay it's like yay our main protagonist gets with the girl and mm-hmm. everybody's safe from the you know food disaster <laughs> yay I was, I just, this was a weird ending it was a very weird ending. yeah that's my number third. My third dislike. Not all the jokes hit. Oh, agreed. They don't. <laughs> Grant, I can accept this as the Looney Tunes cartoon. I kind of look at it as at it as. But not all Looney Tunes cartoons are funny. I think this one is akin to like a well. This to me is like your standard run of the mill Omer Fudd chasing Bugs Bunny yeah. cartoon. Not necessarily bad. It's 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 good. It's enjoyable. But this is in no way, shape, or form something like uh oh, what is the name of that one? This is not like up there with like the, the one where Daffy and Bugs 
team up to go up against uh elmer fudd Blood. yeah you know the duck season rabbit season fire yeah. one that one yeah i can't remember the name of that one this is not that this is not duck amuck this is yeah. not um what's opera doc yeah. this is not that this is this is kind of your wily e. coyote roadrunner movie yeah you get right down to it. Logic goes out the window. Logic goes out the window. You're just supposed to accept what you're seeing. Um, the story is there solely as a uh, as an excuse to get from one joke to the other. Yeah. That's not to say they're bad. It's a bad story, right. mind you. I think it's a I think it's a story that is good despite how the process of how it was made. Yeah, in spite of what it's doing. Um, but it's also a very basic, yeah, very, very basic, basic story. Very basic. There's nothing that was. There was no experimentation with this, mm-hmm. other than let's do a bunch of visual gags because it's a kids movie, mm-hmm. and that's how you keep kids happy as you have visual gags. Mm-hmm. Granted, I love visual gags. There's a lot of good visual gags in this film, but it's a lot of this kind of stuff you see everywhere. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about earlier the gags of all the world's monuments getting yeah uh you know attacked by the food that's really not much different than despicable me one where they show all the different versions of the world's monuments that the that grew might steal next Mm -hmm. or that that someone might steal next and one of them is the big beer out and so that's not any different than that it's it's almost like the same setup shots yeah for that or agreed uh uh monsters versus a monsters versus aliens okay where they do similar stuff i mean these are standard Mm -hmm. run-of-the-mill jokes in some cases it's funny it's a it's nice to see okay yeah this is how it's affecting the rest of the world you do need a shot when this all this weather is starting to you know grow out from swallow falls yeah you do need a shot to see how it's affecting the rest of the world but the fact that it's it it should be yeah you're going to show the monuments because everyone knows the monuments right but then you make the joke that it's attacking the monument, the weather's affecting the monument's person, then spreading out. It's like, yeah. just show it attacking the city and have the monument in the background so you can know at a glance, oh, all the all the spaghetti happens to be falling on uh, Rome. How do we know? Oh, it fell into, it, it fell across the, the Roman Colosseum. Yeah. That's a funny joke. That yeah. could be done well. Yeah. You ha- the the idea of the of the BLT falling on the Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower that's a funny visual image yeah and I think they animated that very well but you did not not have to be the center of it you could show actual danger attacking these people mm-hmm. falling upon these people with all this food there but they focus solely on the joke material mm-hmm. granted I know it's a kids movie I know it's a joke I know your jokes are your focus right. But the writing is better than this with the vi- than what the visual gags are allowing it to do yeah. in a lot of cases. And, and the other thing is, I know what Lord and Miller are capable of. Yeah. Because this is not my first rodeo with them. Right. I've seen Lego Movie Grant that came after this. Yes. I've seen Spider-Verse. Yes. Granite, that came after this. Yes. I don't know off the top of my head what movies they did before this. And maybe this was the first... I, it, I, w- I might grant that maybe this was the first time they were given free reign to do whatever they wanted, but still had to follow in the reins of whatever Sony Picture Animation wanted to do with the right. film. But it's things that, when I look at this, make me wonder, 
was this what Solo was in for when Lord and Miller were supposed to be directing that? Oh, okay. Before that got changed. Yeah. Is this, this very much is Lord and Miller at their weakest. Yeah, agreed. Now, granted, I like Lord and Miller as comedy directors, mm. but this is them at their weakest. This is them at their, their tra- being safe yeah. with everything they're doing. Agreed. We're not getting the uh, jokes later on that we'll get with the Lego movie where they're able to pull a lot more with uh, from what they're pulling from. Yeah. Or Spider-Verse where you actually feel uh, the loss of mm-hmm. Peter Parker Yeah, in that first bit of that mo- movie. Grant, I love the fact that, you know, we, we talked about Spider-Verse and you actually, it's the first film to come out with after Stan Lee's death. And you even get a nice one. It wasn't intended. Yeah. That one was intended for that, but I've seen what they are capable of doing even yeah. unintentionally. Yeah. With emotional moments. And I grant it, this is not meant to be that emotional a movie in any yeah. way, shape or form. Yeah. This is just meant to be a funny, goofy kids movie. But I've seen funny, goofy kids movies that had more heart than this. Yeah. I can accept it as a Looney Tunes cartoon, like I said. But this is a run of the Mel Looney Tunes cartoon. This is not one of the greats. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, that's my third dislike, is this is not as good as it could have been. Okay. Which brings us to the end of this review. Yes. What are you rating it? Okay, so after all of that... And I'm letting you get the low number out first. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because I suspect... We, we are on different uh, oh probably different probably. sides of this probably well after all said and done and you brought up some really good points that maybe i had not looked at yeah um no you've only I, you've seen I, we've both only seen the movie twice because this right. is only this actually this is the third time i've seen it okay but it's been a while okay so i'm gonna give this a six okay we gave it a six uh granted be like i do be like the fact that I, I I forgot be like I didn't think of this in the proper review that it's a movie that underplays its audience mm-hmm. be like you're thinking it's like oh, okay let's just play everything for laughs play just gags in it's some like, ways it's thinking of itself like ugly doll thought of itself yeah exactly that's what I didn't like about the film mm-hmm. it's literally it's just, let's just let's just play everything for laughs let's not put any logic behind anything yeah let's just like you know put you know fuzzy logic behind everything there's no science behind anything. And it's magic science. It's magic science, which is not the way you do it. But there is logic in how the magic science works. But yeah, it's kind more of more obvious in the next movie. How right, that goes right. Uh, kind of like Adam's Family. Yeah, Adam's Family one was just like it eh. was. It was a run of the mill movie. It was a run of the mill movie. The second one so, did the whole letter. And, and honestly, I think that's how this goes. Honestly, Hotel Transylvania had the same problem, mm. except the third movie was worse. Yeah. <laughs> I, agree, and I, agree I haven't seen the four. Mm. Uh, so yeah, this, this probably mo- this October. It, yeah, this movie, <laughs> this movie does have a lot of problems. Uh, definitely with its like, there's um, it the they they overplay into the uh, the um, the um, the not the tragic character, mm-hmm. but the uh, the character who is uh, being pushed into situations there's a little too much overemphasis on that and um there again some plot points are just so dumb yeah They're so dumb and they don't need to be there uh they could be like this movie could have been a whole lot better if they would have just they would have like played to the audience not play like they're just dumb little children who mm-hmm. don't think mm-hmm. and i think it's one of my main problems with this film is that they don't 
They think children are stupid. They think they're dumb. And they, they, they don't, they don't go into our, they, they don't, they don't expect people to think in this film. They don't spend to, I think I, it's kind of a, it's a disservice to the, to the kids because kids think, or they're, I don't think that's actually the writer and director's fault. Okay. I think that's more of the producer's fault. Okay. That's just a theory I have. Yeah. They're I'm not, Sony pictures a lot like blue sky studios. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a while there, they literally were underplaying. Yeah. Kids underplaying their audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this movie does suffer from that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, uh, yeah, I'm giving it a six. What, what, what I recommend it to a little kid to have fun with. Yes. Uh, if you get into like, like an adult and be like, like me, whoever thinks things like you're just going to get. Yeah. So the six. Like, anyway, <laughs> I was going to say, just be like Elsa and let it go. <laughs> But I can't hold it back anymore. Let the food flow. (laughs) (laughs) Just just bury yourself in food already. Okay, I'm actually giving it a seven. Oh, okay. Uh, The jokes, I think, hit better for me. And the fact that I wouldn't say I turn my brain off, but I accept the logic of this a lot easier than you do. Yeah. um, I think is what helps. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it helps that I kind of know where the next film is. Granted, I saw this first one and well, the first time I watched this before I saw the second one, and I just enjoyed it for its goofiness. And I can accept it for goofiness. But I mean, even then I knew it was like, yeah, this is a middle end of the road film. Yeah, agree. And that's all it is. It's a middle end film. I enjoy it. I think it's I think it's got potential. Okay. And I think that potential is realized in the next film. But in this film, that that doesn't quite live up to the potential. Mm-hmm. so yeah i'm giving it a seven okay which brings us to the end of this film next film we are reviewing is going to be i just mentioned blue sky earlier and that's and we are reviewing a blue sky film next epic ah we are that's right okay the trivia for the next movie a trivia question is what are the leaf men modeled after? That's interesting. I haven't even seen this film yet. <laughs> so yeah, so we'll figure it out next time. Yeah, we'll figure that out next time. In the meantime, though, this is not the transition. This is, this is not the end of the of this review. No, it's not. We because totally now we're going into our review of the our animated series review of. Uh, Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure, Season 2, uh, pff, Episodes 1 and 2. What is the name Beyond of this thing? Corona Beyond, Beyond the Corona Walls. And the Masters of the Universe! Tower. 
They're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. Welcome to the animated series. <laughs> Bravo. It's nice. Uh, we are reviewing Beyond the Corona Walls, which is season two. Like I said earlier, it's uh, season two, episodes one and two of Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. If you have not seen any of season one, go watch that. And we do have reviews of that back in the feed, so uh, go look for that. But anyway, this episode was directed by Joe O and written by Jace Ricky. The cast. I, I, I'm going to mention the whole main cast here, and okay, this will be the this will be the only time I mention the main cast. Okay. Going forward, but since it's the first time we're doing it this way, we had Zachary Levi playing Eugene, Mandy Moore as Rapunzel, Eden Espinosa as Cassandra, mm-hmm. James Monroe Aglehart as Lance Strongbow, Jeffrey Ross as Hookfoot, and Paul F. Tompkins as Shorty. Guest characters or uh, guest actors for this one. We've got Britt Robertson as Vex, Yvonne Sharvosky as Stallion, mm-hmm. Lance Henriksen as the Baron, Gideon Emery as Weasel, Ralph Innocent as Cutter, Kelly Hugh as Adira, Jonathan Banks as Queer Kieran, and once again, Bruce Campbell as King Edmund. <laughs> I love that how these two just kind of tie in. With we did not plan that. Not plan at all. Getting into the plot for this one. <laughs> 25 years ago, Curran and a warrior named Adira once served the king, Edmund, of a kingdom that was consumed by the Black Rocks. The king had tried to destroy the opal, which he believed to be the cause of the rocks, to no avail. Many After many failed attempts, King Edmund advised Curran and Adira to leave the castle and keep anyone from ever finding the opal. In the present, after frustrating Varian's attempts at vengeance, Rapunzel goes out on the road with her friends. It has been a week since she has left Corona, and she is excited to be on her first trip beyond the kingdom walls, celebrating their journey with the song Next Stop Anywhere. Accompanying her on her journey are Eugene, Fitzherbert, Cassandra, Pascal, Maximus, Fidella, Al, Lance Strongbow, and Hookfoot. Together they ride through the country in a large colorful caravan following the Trail of the Black Rocks. About a week after they have set out, Eugene is in the caravan speaking with Lance and Hookfoot, planning to propose to Rapunzel again when they reach Vardaros. He is confident that he will succeed this time, but Lance and Hookfoot are not so sure that Rapunzel is ready to settle down, especially since she is now out of free in the world for the first time in her life. Lance and Hookfoot go looking for a picnic spot while Eugene remains in the caravan rehearsing his proposal. Listening in against the door, Rapunzel accidentally catches him on his knees presenting an engagement ring. Eugene tries to convince Rapunzel that he was not asking her to marry him. Just then, they hear a strange scream. Cassandra has found Shorty stowed away in the food truck where he fell asleep after having eaten all of their supplies. Thanks, Shorty. The group finally arrives at Vardaros, which appears to have become much to Eugene and Lance's shock, a sketchy, rundown city crawling with shady people. Everyone decides to keep a low profile while in town. Rapunzel and Cassandra take the caravan back to the campsite while Eugene, Lance, Hookfoot, and Shorty collect the supplies. Soon, however, people in the shadows take notice and recognize Eugene, and news of his arrival quickly spreads throughout the city, reaching a castle which is home to the notorious kingpin known as the Baron. Anthony the Weasel, one of his retainers, is keen to dispose of Ryder, but the Baron wishes to settle things with Eugene personally. In town, Eugene, Lance, Hookfoot, and Shorty are on their way back to the camp with the supplies when a girl calls out to them. 
that Rapunzel is in trouble. They follow her and become surrounded by the Baron's men. They agree to buy the weasel who paid the girl, known as Vex, to lure them into their trap. Meanwhile, back at the campsite outside the city, Rapunzel and Cassandra are met by Adira, who wishes to have a private chat with Rapunzel. Cassandra does not trust her and stands in her way, despite not wanting to fight. Adira reluctantly engaged the two girls in a duel. She easily and amusedly fights them off and disarms them. The fighting does not stop until Adira discovers the nature of Rapunzel's hair, which she fails to cut it off, uh, fails to cut it off her wrist with her with the black rock bladed sword. Just then, Hookfoot shows up and Adira leaves, promising to seek them out later. He explains that he has just escaped from the Weasel's men and tells Rapunzel that Eugene has been captured along with Lance and Shorty. At the Baron's castle, Eugene, Lance, and Shorty are brought before the Baron and his daughter, Stallion, who is also Eugene's ex fiance mm-hmm. Long before Eugene met Rapunzel, he was engaged to Stallion until he stood her up at the altar. Afterwards, Stallion swore that if she ever saw him again, she would break every bone in his body. But after a while, she got over it and decided that they were still meant to be for each other. The Baron offers Eugene a proposition. Keep good on his promise he made to his daughter and marry her, or suffer suffer painful consequences along with Lance and Shorty. To get his point across, the Baron allows a venomous spider to bite Lance. Unless Eugene marries Stallion, Lance will die from the spider's venom within hours unless he is given the antidote in time. Rapunzel, Cassandra, and Hookfoot arrive back in town looking for Eugene. They hear the Baron announcing Stallion's upcoming wedding to the citizens of Vartaros. Waiting backstage, Eugene attempts to convince Stallion not to go through with this plot. He confesses he is already in love with somebody else. Surprisingly, Stallion is already well aware of Eugene's love for Rapunzel, how he rescued the lost princess from her tower, but induces Eugene to doubt his relationship with Rapunzel, questioning whether or whether it would be right for her to give up her newfound freedom for a life with a common thief. Shortly after Stallion goes on stage to make her appearance, and soon after the Baron introduces Eugene as her fiancé, shocking Rapunzel, Cassandra, Pascal, and Hookfoot. Rapunzel approaches from the, approaches the stage, demanding an explanation. Stallion tries to explain, but sorry, Eugene tries to explain, but Stallion interrupts him, insisting he has joined them. Rapunzel refuses to leave Stallion's claims, but Eugene, seeing Lance growing weaker, is unable to reveal the truth to her. He simply apologizes, uh, stating he has made his choice, and departs alongside Stallion, leaving Rapunzel heartbroken. Back at the camp, Rapunzel is still heartbroken by what Eugene has done, unaware that he has been forced into marrying Stallion. She recalls the first time he asked her to marry him and wishes she could take it she could she could take it back when what she said before. Cassandra feels sorry for Rapunzel. Despite being disagreeable towards each other, she has known Eugene long enough to know that he would never do something that like this to Rapunzel. Helping her regain her spirit, Cassandra encourages Rapunzel to rescue Eugene. Eugene too wishes he could change the past and both contemplate their lost opportunities in the song If I Could Take That Moment Back. With some help from Vex, Rapunzel and friends sneak into the wedding just as the ceremony is about to begin. They find Eugene waiting at the altar as Stallion walks down the aisle with her father. The Baron agrees, begins to officiate the wedding, but is interrupted when Rapunzel, revealing herself and declaring her love to Eugene. Rapunzel touches the Black Rocks, intending to release, intending to release their power. But to her surprise, nothing happens. Whoops. Anthony ties Eugene to a rope. A fight soon ensure, a fight soon ensures between the Baron's henchmen and Rapunzel's friends, including a deer who later joins in a two joins in two of the Baron's. This is weirdly written. <laughs> a deer who later joins in against two of the Baron's henchmen get ropes and ties Maximus to them after he knocks three other henchmen down. 
Stallion attempts to escape with a captive Eugene, but Rapunzel ties him to her hair. Soon after, Rapunzel and Stallion begin fighting over Eugene. Pascal creates a distraction by startling by startling Stallion, setting Eugene free from her from her grasp. Adira cuts the ropes that had led that, that were tied to Eugene and Maximus with her sword, and the Baron engages in battle with Eugene, throwing Pascal off him and on Lance, and successfully pins the latter down. As he prepares to unleash his spider, Shorty's clumsiness causes the spider to bite the Baron instead. The Baron desperately searches for the antivenom, but has already been stolen by Pascal while he was on the Baron and used to cure Lance. The Baron tries to strike Eugene down in vengeance, but is thwarted by Rapunzel. The Baron and his henchmen are forced to flee, Stallion carrying her injured father, but not before Stallion informs Eugene she will someday settle things between them once and for all, leaving a happily reunited Eugene and Rapunzel behind. The next day, Rapunzel learns from Adira that the rocks no longer react when she touches them because they have found the sun drop and are now guiding her to her destiny, which lies within the Dark Kingdom. Adira shows the princess the remaining part of the ancient scroll and leaves as Rapunzel and her friends get back on their journey, determining to make the most of whatever may happen with the reprise of Next Stop Anywhere, Adora looks on and smiles. Getting into the trivia, from this point forward, this series is now titled Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. Mm-hmm. It is revealed that Rapunzel no longer has the ability to control the Black Rocks, which show no reaction when she touches them. This is the first time Princess Rapunzel meets Adira, who has, who has her speaking debut here, as she did technically show up at the end of the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Stallion references the events of the movie Tangled, when Rapunzel was confined inside her tower for 18 years, when the latter was abducted by Mother Gothel. And starting from this episode, Princess Rapunzel and Eugene receive new outfits. Eugene wears gloves for the first time, although he is wearing the shirt that he wore for, from his original outfit. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the trivia. What? Since I've been talking a lot, <laughs> you start off with your thoughts on this episode. Oh my gosh, the setup. The setup they're doing with this is absolutely insane. If you've watched the entire, if you watch the series, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I know this guy. I know more than he knows the what I know some stuff that's going up. The bad part about trying to do research <laughs> when you're trying not to get spoiled is you accidentally run across things. Yes. So we, we So I'm slightly spoiled, but so we get all this amazing setup of uh like like who's this king uh who's the king King who's Edmund. King, who's King Edmund? Uh, we get up. What what is the what is the uh, the 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 dark kingdom? What is mm-hmm. that? And this is the direction we're going. And you get all these little nice setups where um, where uh, Cassandra and uh, Rapunzel are kind of having issues. And I love how they they started this. They they planted this little seed to where things are going to go in certain directions. Mm-hmm. And I really really enjoy that about this these this story this series in general because it's a lot of amazing world building and it's just creative and insightful what they're doing with every episode it's not just be like oh here's a throwaway episode here's a throwaway everything has some kind of intent yeah and that's what i really enjoy about it that's that's one of the things i really enjoy about it it's just like the the world building the creativity they put into it and they don't waste any time with it mm mm-hmm. mhm so oh my gosh just be like you get into uh eugene eugene or flynn 
getting into the city and everybody knows him as Eugene. Yeah, right. Everyone knows him as Flynn Rider. Oh, that's Flynn Rider. I'm sorry. Knows him as Flynn Rider. And it's just the, the idea that his past is catching up with him, like always. Like he can never escape his past. And uh, in this episode, we, you know, be like, oh, he, he. <laughs> Uh, I, I love it when you know characters are their their past comes barreling into them, mm-hmm. and Eugene definitely gets his comeuppance in a lot of ways throughout the yeah. series. This one in particular, where he he dumped Stallion at the altar, and now is coming to bite him in the butt. <laughs> well, that's the thing you have to remember. Um, in season one, then they first start mentioning the Baron. Yeah, they mention why the Baron doesn't like them is because he how they. Uh, stole his prize stallion. Yeah, we didn't know what stallion was. <laughs> Bear in mind, I like to watch things with subtitles on. Uh. And I'm just going to point out that during season one, anytime they mentioned the Baron's prize stallion, it was spelt as the horse. Hmm. S-T-A-L-L-I-O-N. When I first watched this, what, two years ago? <laughs> yeah. When we were first going through these? Um. I caught that there was something more going on when he said stallion and it was spelled S-T-A-Y-L-Y-N. Right. I thought, wait a minute, either that's a very bad spelling mistake. Mm-hmm. Oh! It's like, stallion <laughs> is a person. Yes. <laughs> She's a master thief. Uh-huh. And that's she kind of was together. going to marry Flynn. Flynn. But he, for some reason, left her at the altar. That's never a good idea. <laughs> well, I mean, he was destined to go to Rapunzel, so, as we well know. That is true. That but is so true. He, he, had, to, he had to get his had to get his. He, he did back. not handle the uh, separation from uh, Stallion very well. I agree. I agree. Completely agree. The The fact to be like you, uh, Eugene or Flynn has not got himself in a corner to where now Lance has been poisoned and he doesn't have a choice. He doesn't have a choice in this. Right. And I, I love it to be like, he's not be like, Oh, I'm just going to fight the Baron. He knows he can't fight the Baron. I mean, like mm-hmm. he knows he has to save his best friend. If that's, you know, what he has to do in order to save Lance be like, yes, he loves uh Rapunzel. Right. He's I mean, like, he's, he's and caught, he's caught. A, and, a he, bind. and he can't do anything. That he can't let her know what's going on. Exactly. Because they're on him like the entire time. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't want him to escape if he was going to try, but right. I mean, there is, they, they, he has to get the anti venom for Lance mm-hmm. either way. I just have to say, I love Lance's delirium throughout oh, this episode. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. I love Lance. <laughs> Your nose looks like a strawberry. Hey, I just want to eat it. I don't know. I just want to eat it. I don't I, know. Wh- <laughs> I don't know why they call it strawberry it doesn't look like straw you ought to call it noseberries because it looks like your nose oh my gosh yes clovis you gotta i always wanted a cat named clovis clovis you gotta go tea <laughs> clovis you shaved your goatee <laughs> oh, oh the, the, i the, hope he gets the, a cat named clovis later on oh gosh the 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 um Lance is always a very he's always been a very interesting he's he's the comedy relief character or the uh the the bounce off from uh yes. Eugene and uh this like you, you well he's you, the he's the 
Cassandra to his Rapunzel. Yeah, I get right down to it. Except it's 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 similar. Well, it's very very actually, similar. Let me rephrase. Lance is the Rapunzel to his exactly. Cassandra. That's a good that's a good point. That's really more how it is because it's he's flipped. The, yeah, it's flipped. That's why he and Cassandra butt heads all the time is because mm. they are the same personality. They are. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I just, I mean, like this, these two episodes are very, gives you a good lead into a good setup to what's going to happen, what's happening. Mm-hmm. And you get this journey to the dark kingdom Yeah, now, which is I've the seen- setup for this second season for the second season. This, this is the direction they're going. And so you get this, which considering the rules that Adira, the, the, the the orders that Adira got at the beginning of this episode uh, makes me wonder why she's helping them. Um, but I'm assuming that will be explained mm-hmm. later on. It, it will. It will be revealed. It will be very much explained, and it's it's a very good explanation. Okay. And we, we get that explanation actually in one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> we'll we'll get there when we get, get there. there. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Just overall, this is an amazing episode. Like you get the the Baron gets his comeuppance with mm-hmm. uh, his spider, and uh, <laughs> I guess it's poor Lance. Poor Lance. Poor is, Lance. Poor Lance is awesome, but he just like he a is, man already is scared of spiders. Yeah, gets bit by gets a spider. Bit by a spider, and it's going to kill, kill him. him. <laughs> but the poor the, Lance. Yeah, poor Lance. The also the, I don't know why Rapunzel thinks the ice sculpture of the swan is what she call it. Um, why she didn't like it? I don't understand that. I uh, yeah, just never. The, yeah, it's a weird line, and the fact that she and Eugene are on separate sides of that are weird. But anyway, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, a lot. Great setup. Great story. Great little comedy bits, mm-hmm. and uh, it's definitely a testament of how these characters have have grown with each other through season one. And uh, and then we you get the throw in of Adira. It's like she's the mysterious character, which like nobody knows. Be like she, like, like she beats Cassandra very mm-hmm. easily. And it's just like, oh, this this girl's got skill. Yeah, and she's got a sword that is made what assumed to be is made of the black rocks. Well, it did cut black rocks. It did cut black rocks, but it doesn't cut Rapunzel's hair. hair and that's interestingly enough yes and i would say not going into spoilers but that sword comes into very very good points later on in the series well all right then well we'll, we will have to get to that point when we get there but in the meantime we do need to go ahead and wrap up for the evening Mm -hmm. uh most of our information is going to be in the outro but in the meantime this has been drew this is jacob and we'll catch you in the next frame you can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's Photo Bin, to see his photography. His letterboxed page at G. George759. His Twitter at G. George759 and Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, 
Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. Oh, 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 oh,